Eastern. Gary! <laughs> Sirius XM. On today's show. The bitch. Howard reunites with Yankee legend, 14-time All-Star, 5-time World Series champion, and MLB Hall of Famer. Start spreading the news. Mr. October himself, Reggie Jackson. There's no words to describe how great he is. Only on today's Howard Stern Show. Ronnie, the limo driver, must have gone out last night because he's really tired and he doesn't want to talk about it. Very tired. He doesn't want to talk about last night. Uh, that's right. <laughs> What's he doing he's been, going out on a work night? I don't know, but he, um, he's he been busy on Twitter. He had a Titty Tuesday and um, so, I guess... I think Ronnie, because he just, he had Hot Ass Friday. I think he's trying some new things out on his Twitter feed. Like he's oh, coming yeah? up with new ideas and about chicks. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel sent me um, a Titty Tuesday tweet of Ronnie's. Like just to say, look what, you know, we were talking about something. Kimmel, and he went, Kimmel. meanwhile, look at this. And it was Titty, hey, Titty Tuesday, you know. Meanwhile, and, um, look at this. Is he trying to distract people from what we're talking about? I don't know, but uh, we... You know, Ronnie, I think, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, because yes. you're an observer. You follow Ronnie on Twitter. I don't. I get push notifications when he tweets, and sometimes my phone's going nuts, and I think it's like, oh, my God, an emergency situation. It's just Ronnie tweets, like a lot of them. <laughs> but Ronnie now, his new thing is he's tweeting out a lot of uh, artificial intelligence chicks. Like, it's just yes. they're cartoon chicks, but I don't think he knows that they're cartoon mm. chicks. They're not even real girls. There's a theory that maybe Ronnie's eyesight isn't what it once was. Because I didn't say that. Someone did. And a lot of these pictures there, if you look in the corner, it says like something, something dot AI. They're actually uh, computer generated women, Ronnie. They Some of them look kind of yeah, like good. cartoons. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I actually looked at one and it says it says from a website dot AI, artificial intelligence. In other words, it's a computer did a drawing it's a of a girl. Computer drawing, yeah. Yeah, it's like Chat GPT for tits, basically. <laughs> do you, do you, Ronnie? How can a girl compete with a, a you know, a, an AI girl? I mean, the AI girls are perfect, but they're drawings. I mean, do you draw the line at that, or do you what not? Drawings? Care? I, I never tweet drawings. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, you do. You do. I swear. Here, I'll show. I'll prove it to you. Um, here's Ronnie's. You see here, I'll give you three examples. See What's these the girl's two name? Chicks? What's the okay. girl's name? I'll tell Hal. you. Give me, give, me, give me a second. I'm trying to prove to you. You see this one? The one on the bottom. The two. You see the, the two, two in the, top, bottoms, the two bikini right. bottoms? Yeah. That's from something called pornpen.ai, which means artificial intelligence, according to my guys. They're so yeah. fucking hot. Who cares? I don't give a okay, fuck. Okay. And then this girl right here is AI. This one is hot Whatever. as hell. I don't, dude. I don't study. I don't study them. If they, yeah, but you made it. You made her. I don't give a fuck. You made her highlight of the day on your Twitter. Sure, she's and then not this one, smoking hot. Yeah, but it, what I'm telling you is, it's a drawing. It's not okay. A, it's fine. Not, it's, it's a, a cartoon. Drawing. It's like cool. it's like jerking off to uh, 
It's like jerking off to Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, okay. And it's not fair to the other girls, because the other thing that Ronnie tweets out a lot of now is MILFs and GILFs, older ladies. So they're yeah. very real. And then there's the AI that's very fake. So it's... um. Huh. It's a very strange. Can I say something, right Ronnie? Can I say something, and you don't have to what? listen? But I'm I don't listening? think you. I think you should draw the line at AI girls. I think you should only. You should be known as the guy who only tweets out real girls, because you believe in reality. What do you think of that? I'll study it better. Okay. All right. I, I really, Just, I really didn't study the situation. <laughs> Jesus we know Christ. Yeah, whoever thought you'd have to study in this genre? Well, well yeah, Robin, really. R- Ronnie and <laughs> study past, have never I'm been used past. together in a sentence. <laughs> I'm way past fucking stuttering. Study, can you imagine? Can, can you imagine Ronnie didn't study? He just coasted through. I haven't studied in a long time, dude. <laughs> and the other thing you should be doing, he took you should, up this this line because there was no studying. Yeah, I mean, you. yeah, right. It's like, uh, gee, if I want to go to school, I'll study. <laughs> he, this guy didn't study ever. Yeah, But seriously, you should be like CNN, like the most trusted name in pervy tweets, Ronnie Munn. Like, you know, you're going to see a real girl, you know, and and, 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 and that's smart. I don't know. Good. Oh, everybody. It's Tom Arnold. I'll, I'll, What's make, up? I'll make note of that. OK. Hey, hey guys, Tom, uh, hey. Tom Arnold here, and uh, I'm, I'm really concerned about uh, what I'm hearing here uh, for a Ronnie. This this doesn't sound like uh, healthy uh, sexual outlets. You know, uh, masturbation can be healthy, but when you jerk it off to Bugs Bunny, okay, <laughs> you're dead. I mean, first it starts with tweeting women. Next thing you know, you're paid to get a blowjob in a Denny's parking lot. Have you been there yet, Ronnie? No. Well, what you're saying is, I think, Tom, that it is very dangerous. It's a slippery slope to addiction when you uh, jerk off. Well, you can start jerking off innocently, and the next thing you know, you're jerking off to cartoons, and then your whole reality slips. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? You, yeah, well, you know, one day at a time, you don't see it. But, you know, you start out with cartoon porn. Next thing you know, if you're like me, you're shoving action figures in your butthole and coming to Dora the Explorer. And uh, that's not healthy. It's a dark road. It's All right, dark good road. message. Good message. Thank you. Keep that in mind. But, Ronnie, here's another thought. And I'm going to tell you something groundbreaking. You don't actually have to tweet anything. You could stop entirely and then not even put out anything. Uh, yeah, you there would you never go. be making these mistakes, right? It's right. been a lot more lately than usual, Ronnie. I don't know. That correlates to something white. in your life. A lot more tweets. Like, I just know because my phone blows up. Yeah, there's something in my life, yes. By the way, uh, why are you tweeting so much all of a sudden? Everyone's noticed. Yeah, there's, it, some, like, there's something in my life, according to Chris. No, but really, what's me. going on? Uh, you, you been devo- do you want to get more followers? What's going on with your Twitter? No. No. Oh. Oh. What was it? Vacation? What was it? I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are bailing out of Twitter anyway. Why? Not because of uh, Elon Musk? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just seems a lot of people are bailing. Yeah, well, I are keep you- getting like, uh, like these weird notifications with Twitter and you got to do this and authentication and blah, blah, and I just ignore it. I mean, I'm not going to do yeah, any different work. levels of Twitter. Yeah, I do that I'm too. Like, I, I ignore it. Yeah. yeah, me too. Um, are you upset about the wedding being way over budget? That's the other word I'm getting on you that you're, what you're yeah. upcoming. Yeah, I'm really upset. Yeah I'm, cr- yeah, I'm crying. No, seriously. Are you upset? <laughs> yeah, it's way over budget. What? How much over budget are you? I remember you budgeted like fifty grand. No, sixty. 
the 60s. So where are you at? About 80? <laughs> don't even, don't ask. How did it get Have so out of budget? It? It's, it's partially my fault, I guess. Why? Because the list got out of control. The list got out of control because I even I noticed with the radio station, you uh, invited everyone. You don't know. You don't need to do. No, that. not everyone. I didn't invite everyone. I wish I could have, but I can't. So not you invited. Want, read me who's invited to your wedding and I'll tell you who you can cut. I don't know. I don't have the list here. I don't have the list. I really like, don't. Did you, like, did, all you, that shit. did you invite people now and you were like, Jesus, why did I invite that asshole? No, 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 no. No. No, anybody wow. that I invited, I really wanted to invite. So I heard there's going to be a lot of the, people I could, I'd like to invite, but I can't. So I heard that the wedding itself is okay, but you you decided to have a welcoming party before the wedding that has now right. gotten out of control. No, and no, no, no that's not out of control. <laughs> I mean, the the guest list is out of control. Well, you got to pay for everybody. That. Everybody who's invited to the wedding is invited to the wedding party because ninety percent of the people, more than ninety percent, are from, out, are from of, out of town. So what you're doing is you're having two weddings. You're not having one wedding. No, no, no. This, 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 I'd rather have the welcome party. That's going to be a fucking blast. <laughs> I heard at the welcome party there's going to be a hot tub, and I think that's gross. Like I wouldn't get it. I hate when I see people Dude, in a hot that's tub. The that's the room, okay? The that's yeah, the room that the party's in. They have it. I can't have. I, does it also I have a vibrating bed? What? what no, it does. Sibian. It's outside. So you know the what I'm saying? Hot tub is outside. You know what I'm saying though? It's like it's out on the terrace, okay? You ever go to a party where there's a hot tub and then you see like ten people in it, and that skeeves of me the fuck out. I wouldn't get in that, dude. With wait, all the dirty, me, it's there. The water's it, there. gray. It's like not even like nice. No, the water, water wasn't isn't great. Well, it's going to be after ten people jump <laughs> yeah, in. Well, dirty once feet. Blit gets in there, forget it, because he'll be the first one in. I guarantee it. Yeah, but he, he looks came oily, to my dude. He came to my house. <laughs> he came to my fucking sweat. house in December. Yeah, and, and it's like, oh, you got to turn the hot tub on. You got to, you know, I have to have the hot tub. I want to try out the hot tub. It's fucking below zero out here, and he's he fucking... looks like a guy who'd be in a hot tub, you know. Oh, dude, he he could. He looks he, hairy. You know too. what he did? The pool yeah. temperature. The pool temperature water was like forty four degrees. Yeah. Uh -huh. See, so he go he goes in the hot tub. It's a hundred hundred and four. He goes in the hot tub, and then he jumps into the fucking actual pool that wasn't heated. It was Oof. fantastic. Great for the body to go from he's hot nuts. and then to cold. It was an incredible you, uh, sensation. I just picture you like a guy with like dirty feet. You know what I mean? No, like you don't, very you don't clean. get in the shower. Really? Yeah. I've got a, a good body. Actually. Yeah. I get a pedicure once, <laughs> once a month, once every three weeks. I get a pedicure. <laughs> I see you like also like, no, a, a like, a, like a really, like a very hairy guy too. Are you hairy? You would think that, but I'm not that hairy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, all I know is I've gone to like people's homes and they have a hot tub. And then you see, like, everyone jumps in the hot tub, and I'm like, ooh, like, ugh. It's like egg drop soup. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, Blit, I wouldn't want to get in a hot tub with Blit. I don't know why. I heard you take your shoes and socks off at concerts. Is that true? If it's an outdoor show, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's a hippie, and, you know, he's... Uh, he yeah, yeah. He's on, you know, he's on, he's on something. When well, he's that's what he does, show. man. As soon as he comes into your house, he takes his socks and shoes off. Well, because I'm and respectful. You know, like, I don't want to wear shoes in your house. And imagine you go to Ronnie's wedding and like there's a hot tub and 
Richard, it's not at like, the wedding, dude. It's at the fucking I get it. welcome it's party. It's the same Calm thing, down. dude. The welcome welcome party. That's your wedding. You're just no, extending not. it. Of course it is. It's your wedding. You're having a welcome sure. party for the no, wedding. It's a party. It's a fucking party, yeah, dude. It, it's for the p- anyway. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. You get there and there's a hot tub and like Jesus. Richard's bathing it. You ever see people too? Like they don't. Like, I know guys who, like, go in a pool, and then they haven't, like, even... They've taken a shit, and then they, they always always <laughs> use the nozzle on the pool to clean out their yeah, asshole. What do, you care, what do you care, dude? You're not going to be in it. You don't have to get in it. I'm just saying. I'm just commenting. It's disgusting. Like Why market. are you commenting? Nobody ever commented on the shit that you do. And Why you know you Sal... Sal's going to piss in the fucking tub. <laughs> Let him. Who cares? I don't give a fuck. I ain't that, getting in it. I know you don't give cheese. a fuck. It's colors if, you, if yeah. you urinate in a hot tub. So that yeah. would be good. Yeah. <laughs> so gross, Ronnie's party. It's <sighs> yes. like boiling his gas. It's going to be fucking gross, yes. Yes, he soup. keeps saying it's in the room, it's in the room, but you pick the room. It's outside. It's not in the fucking room. It's a beautiful room. It's a gigantic suite with like wraparound balconies. I think it's going to be a really good time. John is why so, are so excited. For why the are you hot so tub? excited about the pre-party as opposed to the wedding? Like, what's better about the pre-party? Nothing. It's just going to be. It's going to be a good time. That's all. But wait, why you is that going to be? Say though the vowels and it's do all that exactly. Stuff. Really no, but there's something that's going to go down. Ceremony. It sounds like why? there's going to be strippers. Like it's a, at a strip club. It's not going to be any strippers. Someone's going to get fingered in that hot tub. Yeah. 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 You know what's going to happen in that hot tub? No one's going to get Chris. (laughs) You know what? Like Richard will take like seven smelly shits before he gets in that hot tub. And then he's going to like jump in and clean out his Mm. feces. All of his his dead skin will be in that hot tub. You know, when you don't shower every day, your skin just sort of sloughs off when it finally gets wet. Yeah, you see shit floating to the top. You know what? (laughs) Everyone's, and then like two days later at at Ronnie's wedding, everyone's going to have pink eye, you know, from the hot tub. Athlete's foot. Well, you could use the hot tub. Athlete's athlete's cunt. You could use the hot tub as as a bidet if you put your ass close to it, clean everything out. Right. Awesome. Uh, people do that all the time. Yep. Hey, vey. Anyway, uh, yeah, Ronnie's got the bit. So what are you so tired from? What'd you do last night? Nothing. Why are you tired? Why'd you tell everyone? Blit, what did he say this I morning? didn't tell anybody anything. Blit comes told, to these you yelled fucking at Blit. conclusions. Yeah, he yelled. No, I was like, Ronnie, no, I didn't come- yell at him. I did not fucking yell at him. He started his bullshit. Not. I asked a simple <laughs> Go nice ahead, question. Go ahead, Blit. Come on, ask ask everybody the question you were asking everybody this morning. What? If you, About fucking Howard in the ass. Ask him. To Go save ahead. his life. <laughs> to, uh, it was basically if, let's say, Ronnie and Howard, you're in a room. <laughs> fucking lunatic. With four walls and a door locked from the outside and a jar of Viagra on a table. A voice comes on a speaker. And All right, who like, cares? Okay. Yeah, see, exactly. That's why you got annoyed. That's why Ronnie No, that's not why you got annoyed. I was like. Ronnie comes on, he's like, Ugh. I'm like, are, are you tired? He's like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm like, did you go out last night? Don't fucking bother me. That was it. Yeah, exactly. So, I didn't say I went out. Did I say I went anything. out? You, you come to you conclusions. So right away, you put up a fucking note to Jason that, that I fucking went out last night. I said which you I were did. tired, and you, no, I said you I was tired. Say. What's wrong with that? And I you was said you didn't tired. say you went out last night. You wouldn't answer the question. Right. You were, you were being coy. Yeah, exactly. Dude, that's I don't the weird. To, I, that, dude, I don't. That's think the weird thing. 
that's the weird thing about Ronnie. Like, mm. you'll go to him, hey, you, you sound tired. He, or you'll go, I'm tired. And you go, oh, did you go out last night? Just don't worry about it. Fuck you. Dude, you know, yeah, like, exactly. It's not his fucking well, business. It's not his well, business. I mean, the guy's making conversation. Why no, he's not. He's trying to for? fucking, he's trying to drum up shit for the no, air, I, which I'm he not. did. Okay. Which Somebody he did. Right. And now, and now it's it. a whole fucking deal. You know what I'm what saying? The fuck are you Ronnie, so angry, man? Yeah, you would have sex with JD to save Stephanie's life, is what you would do in the room. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking crazy. The catch of the day, honey, is my jizz. And he'll never change. It's fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll never fucking change. That's right. Right. Let's go to Carrie in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> Say good morning to Carrie in Pennsylvania. Howard, I am wondering why you are still talking to this oh, old this fucking old fart again. <laughs> you listen to her. Listen to her bullshit. Are Gotta we, listen to you this morning. This wedding at lo on location at the nursing home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're probably one of the fucking old nurses that fucking Holy shovels around fucking shit. and your white shoes, that clubfoot shoes. Were you at the bingo hall last night too late? What what's yeah, going on? Exactly. Here? Fucking broken right. down old bitch. Carry in Pennsylvania. No, what I heard is, Ronnie, that you'll sometimes get up and walk out of the room when Stephanie starts rambling about the wedding or and you go, I don't want to hear about this wedding shit. Like you get you get crazy. Sometimes, right? yeah, if I'm not in the yeah. mood to hear about it. Right. It's dementia. It's he doesn't even know what he's doing. Yeah, go fuck <laughs> yourself, you fucking fool. <laughs> oh, where was I? <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. What was I doing? You must be talking about yourself, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know where I am. <laughs> I'll tell you something asshole? else. I'll tell you something else. Ronnie is locked in an Elvis impersonator to marry him. He's like all set with that. I heard uh, that. He's he's excited about that. I think. I think that's well, a all huge the nursing mistake. homes love them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's even going to sing. How's that? Is he really? Yeah. What what songs he going to do? I don't know. I haven't picked them yet. Mm -hmm. He's wow. going to sing more than one song. Two. How I long think is two. the ceremony? I think two. Oh boy! Oh, the ceremony is going to be real quick. <laughs> real quick. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, it sounds romantic. Yeah, yeah thanks sir. for nothing, Howard, with this already. It's too many people because he invited the whole nursing home. Then too. shut the fuck up, <laughs> asshole, and don't listen. You know why Ronnie is being married by Elvis? Both of them married much younger women. Uh, Elvis well, that's Pepper true. And that's right. Yeah. I, I idolize him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Kat. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Are you going over 100000 on the wedding? Between the two weddings, you know, the two. I nights? don't know, dude. I don't know uh -oh. yet. Oh, yeah. You've just are you stopped close? counting. Oh, no. I don't know. Ronnie, Ronnie 100 gave... grand? Where are you getting I don't all know. this money? Where, Ronnie where, gave where, where, Stephanie where? carte blanche, she said. Uh, dude, stop making up bullshit now. Have... Yeah, he doesn't know that word. Oh, he does. Yeah, I'm too senile. <laughs> Ronnie said he, he gave Stephanie carte blanche. You're saying he said that? Yeah, he said, yeah, I gave her carte blanche. He's using her carte blanche. 
You're such a douchebag. <laughs> I swear to God, sometimes you're such a fucking douche. I swear to fucking God. Listen, when we you talk, are such I, a douche. I, when we talk, I ask you, is it okay for air? You said yes, that was okay for air. There's stuff that's not okay for air, and I leave it in no, the vaults. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think you're going to go over 100000 on the wedding? No. Mm, I hope not. That's a lot of money. How much is an Elvis impersonator? I have no idea. You don't know what you're spending on the guy? No. You pay him per song? No. No, I mean, what, well, what, who's there's a keeping tabs split, on the split. budget? Maybe he, yeah, split, maybe he knows. I'm what asking you. You're the Elvis. one hiring him. Yeah, no, well, Blit seems to know everything. Yeah, Blit, uh, you know, Blit. Yeah. How much is it costing for, for Elvis? Elvis is about eight, eight. I think eight thousand. Have you talked? Have you talked to Brian yet? No, I'm organizing a conversation with Brian. Oh, Brian okay. is basically helping a lot with the wedding. He's he goes to their the wedding planner meetings. Ronnie, Brian is their right hand man. Lots of connections, helping a lot with the wedding. And I'm Ronnie I'm has a wedding planner. Yes, no. Stephanie has a fucking wedding planner. And, well, that means and you Brian. have one. No, I don't. I don't. Yes, I don't. Do. Not, I I met her once. That's it. But her name is Brian. Your wedding? No, no, no. Yes, yeah, no. I'm cunt. Wait, no. I'm, oh. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting confused. <laughs> Brian is a woman named. It no, was, Brian is no. not a woman. Well, Brian's well, the helicopter dude. Oh, that guy. The helicopter but he's dude. Not is, the, he's not the wedding planner. But he's, he's helping. Integral. He's helping he's with things to, to help. Why him is with the Brian? Wedding. Why is Brian helping with the wedding? Because he's got a lot of connections for things that I want that we want for this thing. Like what is he connected to? What do you want? Everything. He's he's like the mayor of fucking Vegas. Yeah, and but, but and he jumping out of a helicopter or something? Maybe I'll be jumping right into a fucking pool. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? So and and who is this wedding? You need a wedding planner for this? No, she needs a wedding planner. I don't need a wedding planner. What kind of shit is she planning? I mean, I thought you had a hall. You got the Elvis impersonator. That's it. Well, talk to her. Enough. Call. Her. I gave her cunt Blanche. Call her. <laughs> what kind of food are you serving? All kinds. What? Do you, what do you, do you, who, all kinds of food, man. The type you eat. <laughs> no, exactly. seriously. What, what type? Of, is this? Is it going on in a restaurant or it's a catering hall? It's. It's a. I'm not giving away shit. Okay. Giving away? What are you, the fucking prince of England? Dude, That's right. You, what kind of food are you having? Are you having a buffet or are you having a sit down dinner? We're not doing sit down dinner. We're doing food stations. <laughs> All right, so you can have a food station, and like what? Like you go to one food station, you get chow mein or something like that. <laughs> yeah, chow mein, exactly. Chicky chow mein. <laughs> yeah, chinky. Chicky chow mein. Okay. No, seriously, yeah. I've been to like hey, a lot of weddings. Get... They have a food station. Mein. You go over and they have this chow mein. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Fried dog. No chow. No chow mein. Oh. Okay. <laughs> food state. What's grosser? Food stations or hot tubs? I'm not well, sure. It's like what a cruise. You're, it's like a cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cruise. You get in the hot tub, you get the. I hate just, uh, sit down. I hate going to say, dude. I hate going to weddings with sit down dinners. I just don't like them. Yeah, suffice I'm, I'm with you. To say you will come away from Ronnie's dinner with a, a prize. It's called Legionnaire's disease. <laughs> no, it's going, dude. It's going to be going. It's going to be like going to McDonald's and you get your little. Your little box yeah. with you got a little prize in there and everything. Happy hamburger and French fries. Is there like Shut um your ass? 
<laughs> Are you having like a taco station where you can make your own taco? Maybe. Yeah. Salad bar? Maybe. Grim cocktail? Open bar Maybe. at the... Wel so is an open bar at the welcome party and the wedding, huh? No wonder you're fucking True. going up there. Yeah. Oh, wow. No wonder you're... Jesus. That's a lot. You're going to have a... Wow. You're going to have a DJ or a band at the... Uh, um, well, no band. We're doing a... D what, actually, that's what we've been doing. We've been interviewing DJs for the past week or so. So you yeah. got to have a DJ at the party and then at the wedding. So everything's no, the party is gonna No, the party is going to be, uh, I think, like piped in music. We're not doing a DJ at the party. Yeah. I see. No dancing. Yeah. 40s Junction. The, uh, yeah, 40s Junction, right. <laughs> I'll be playing shit off my iPhone. <laughs> hey, listen, off you these... don't have to worry about it. Or when you, you know, when you get the invitation, there's a card in there that says will attend or not attend. Just check not attend. You'll be fine. Wouldn't I'm checking not world. attend. <laughs> You're not going, Howard? Probably not. I He's mean, not I'm... I'm nervous about COVID. I would go. I would want to go. I want to go out to Vegas and see Ronnie's whole setup. Going. COVID might be the least of your worries at that I'm setup. Gonna miss the well, hot not... tub. You should yeah, give well, Ronnie I mean... away, Howard. You should walk him down the aisle and give him away. That would be fantastic. Carry him down the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have a I'll have a walker to walk down the aisle. Oh, everybody, it's the Elvis impersonator for Ronnie's wedding, huh? <laughs> hey, now, Howard. How you doing, Elvis Presley? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Uh, I'm you're doing the guy okay here, man. <laughs> Fucking worse. I'm doing really good now, now that I got this sucker to hire me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done a wedding before? Oh, I've done plenty of weddings, but this one's the best. I mean, I'll I tell you one thing, guys. This, this sucker paid a lot of money. Ronnie, after this wedding, you're going to be living in the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say another thing there, if you don't mind. I can't help ripping off Ronnie <laughs> for this wedding. Thank you. Thank you that might be one of the songs he sings. <laughs> but why, do you, why would you get married by an Elvis person? Ask her. I mean, why do you keep crazy. asking me all this shit? I mean, why do, did you ask her? Well, she's young like Scylla, so she's kind of dumb, you know. <laughs> it's easy to rip off them young girls, you know. It's, it's, it was the same way I reeled in Scylla. I just weaved a couple of bucks and she sucked my cock, you know. Oh. <laughs> right. Let me tell you something, Howard. Right. Right. My cock sucks, Sal. Ron is like, who's Sal? No, it's not Sal. That's Elvis. You can save a lot of money with this, Elvis. Sorry, Elvis. This is Elvis. He knows what a syllable is. Sorry, Elvis. Your life savings is going to go down the toilet after this wedding just like my last shit before i die <laughs> oh all right thank you wise men say only fools hire a wedding planner <laughs> hey elvis how yeah, many yeah. syllables in elvis uh let's see it now uh, hmm. <laughs> you know it's a little foggy up here in heaven howard i gotta right, go right. <laughs> funny how elvis impersonator and sal both don't know how many syllables are in elvis <laughs> yeah it makes sense Psychic yeah. Sal doesn't know either. Somehow, uh, Psychic Sal only has Sal intelligence. There's no fucking right. Sal that knows any of that. Yeah. No incarnation knows. <laughs> Ronnie, you don't believe Sal has psychic powers, I hope. Oh, sure I do. I'm going to have him do readings. How are you going to miss this, Howard? He's going to do readings at the fucking wedding. He'll be next to the hot tub. Him. He's going to sit no. in the fucking corner and do, do readings. 
<laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that's a little Ronnie update. The wedding is on. This shit's going to go down. And, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it's too late now. <laughs> too late now. No backing out. And Ronnie's grumpy about it. Not thrilled. You know, he, he doesn't mind being married. He just doesn't want to go through the whole ceremony. I know, I know where he's at. Give me the party. That's it. Right. I'm happy. Right. He doesn't want to be observed. That's oh the, yeah. That's where his anxiety is coming from. He doesn't want to you be know, the center Chet, of attention. Chat GPT will do your wedding vows for you, Ronnie. Who? Chat GPT. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> what the fuck you talking so, about? Did I did <laughs> I go <laughs> too far? <laughs> the thing you retweet every week <laughs> that gives you your porn. So let me. I'm curious when you like when you decided to not have a band. But I agree with you. I think you should have a DJ. It's more fun. But when you have a DJ, what kind of questions do you ask them? I mean, you said you're interviewing DJs. What what type well, of interview process? A lot of fucking a lot of DJs. They like they want you to make the playlist, like to sit down and actually write them the whole playlist, which I think is totally ridiculous. That's I mean, bullshit. You, uh, you're a DJ. You should. We should give him like the artists that we want the kind of music we want to play, and let him create his fucking deal. Can you know I say something? Okay. These guys, and I'm warning you on this. If a guy says to you, "You make the," pl it's like hiring a chef, and he says, "Well, what should I make?" I well, mean, that, uh, that's what I'm, ta that's what I'm yeah, talking about. I agree with you. The, you should say to him, "Listen, asshole, I'm not in touch with what kids are dancing to, and you know, younger people. I, I mean, I know from my own generation, y you're in charge, and, and maybe I'll tell you a couple of songs like we want to dance to this or that, you know. But that's it. He should be right. he should be driving right. that ship. He, exactly. It's exactly. It's, it, you see what he's trying to set you up for is everyone's going to be like sitting in their chair, not dancing. You say, "Well, Mom, Ronnie picked this. Right. Yeah, yeah, Ronnie picked these songs. <laughs> no, 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 no. We got you, we got it down to two different ones, and they're the right ones. So we just yeah, got to make Diplo. up a line. Yeah, they're going to be playing the Charleston. <laughs> there won't be a horror. That's one hundred percent. There will not, not be a horror. No. A Ronnie's Only not going to be up on that chair. No, I will not be on. There, I will not be on a chair. There will, will not be, be like a garter. There's not going to be a garter ceremony. There's not going to be, be a bouquet thing. We're not getting announced walking in. We're not doing any of that oh, traditional bullshit. What kind of wedding is this? Well, there's no cake. We know there's no cake cutting. There's what? none of that bullshit. It's yeah. a fucking party. There's no it fucking is. vows. Well, unless I request like a Havana Hava from the DJ and start a horror. Oh, you could do right. whatever you want, because I'm not going to be part of it, stupid ass. <laughs> Where are you going to live? You would be easy to live. Put you on the fucking chair. Blade, are you saying you're going to request a, 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 a traditional Jewish song and just force Ronnie onto a chair and then lift him up over your head? Exactly. A kidnapping. Right. Yeah. right. Good luck oh, with that. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of the, uh, the old O. Henry stories, the short stories, and... Uh, Kind of, this is kind of like if the wedding gets any more expensive, then Ronnie is going to have to go back to limo driving. So he's going to be miserable. You know, it's going to be like one of those right. short stories where like, you know, he married for love. And now all of a sudden at 73, he's back in the limo driving around because he spent so much money on the wedding. Ain't happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, no, the DJ sell my kidneys. The, the wedding, the, the Ronnie wedding. will be in that hot tub because his kidneys are gone. Yeah. Give me some I'm, ice, I'm just, Ronnie. Do not hire a DJ that says you pick the music. I could just imagine the music. This is a toe tapper. Ronnie and Stephanie. Rain, rain. <laughs>
I lost this my virginity some... to this. <laughs> hey, you got any of that Paul Whiteman shit? I love that guy. <laughs> Who? Who the hell is right. Paul Whiteman? All yeah, right, he guys. was after my time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, guys. I don't know. All right, well, good luck, Ronnie. I'm glad you're in a better mood now. All right, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm in a great. Oh, I'm in a great fucking mood. Right, thanks, guys. There you go. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your day, <laughs> Ronnie. Mr. Wedding, Mr. Romance, I call him. Mr. Party. Around this house, we call him Mr. Romance. I go up, Mr. Romance. <laughs> Uh, let's go to Mark. Mark, you're on the air. Hey, um, I'm an Uber driver and I got a 5.0 rating and a guy got in my car and, um, he heard you talking about trans people and now I got a 4.99 rating because he flipped out. Well, first of all, you're an Uber driver. You got to ask the customer what he wants to hear on the radio. You you can't just put me on. All we do, all we say, are you okay with Howard Stern? They say fine. Oh, okay. And then you get, fine. Then you get fake Mark the Bagger telling load stories, which I love. But fine. you're in Vegas. Why are you... Upset and freaked out over Howard Stern. Right, right, right. All right. Well, fair enough. Listen, Mark, I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm sorry your Uber rating went down because you had me on the air. I mean, I mean, uh, who knows why he gave you a bad rating? You say it's because of me. It could have been maybe you, but we don't know. We don't know. Well, you're the best. I'm Thank a you. butler out here in Las Vegas. I'm a 40-year listener. I um, I am from New York City. I'm All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. All right. Enough of your history. That's what you hear from everybody driving you in Vegas. I'm from You're New from, York. I'm a right. transplant. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of real uh, <laughs> legit locals, you know. Everybody's a transplant. Nobody was born in that desert. Uh, oh, look who's on the phone. Jeez, I haven't heard from this guy in 20 fucking years. Mad Russian. I remember you, dude. You there? Hello. Remember the Mad Russian used to of call course. our show when we were on K-Rock? I think he was from Ukraine, actually. Could be. Mad Russian. I, I thought he was even with us at NBC. Yeah, I remember. He had a funny voice. He sounded like uh, Peter Lorre. He was like, hey, yeah. this is me, Matt Russian. I want to bang you in And I was like, hey, he was pretty entertaining. And then he stopped calling for a while. But Disappeared, I see he's a- yeah. Matt Russian, you there? I'll give you one more shot. You there, pal? Nope. Okay. Thank you. Later. We'd love to talk to you. No, we wouldn't. You get one shot. If you're not there... If he calls back, just tell him to go fuck himself. I mean, what? what, what <laughs> I think Vladimir Putin cut his phone line. That's what happened. Anyway, I'm moving on. So there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Uh, you know, everything. I read the paper every day. I'm always looking to talk about stuff. I'm a big yenta. I'm the top yenta. 
But the one thing that's bothering me is this uh, Priscilla Presley, who used to be married to Elvis. She, you know, listen, I don't say she had an easy life. Her parents basically gave her to Elvis when she was 14. That's got to be the most fucked up thing. I mean, I'd be on the psychiatrist's couch saying, you know, my parents didn't protect me from Elvis. Like, they just handed him off to me. I was 14 years old. I remember me at 14. You know, Elvis climbing on top of me at 14 would have been very fucking traumatic. That's all I can tell you. I mean, a 14-year-old girl going off with Elvis. Oh, hello there, uh, Mr. and Mrs., uh, whatever your name is. I'll, uh, you know, And her father was like, I, I think if I remember the story correct, he was like a military guy, like a pretty high-up military guy. Strict father, and then Elvis walks in. How you doing? I'm in love with your 14-year-old daughter. And, he, and the dad's like, okay, take her. We're and done with her. Didn't they stay in Germany? She was in Memphis by herself. I don't know, but it's fucked up. Anyway, so I got love for Priscilla Presley. Don't get me wrong. But at 14, but, you understand why she keeps fighting to be in control of everything. Well, Basically, let me tell you something. You know, I don't understand. I mean, let, let me tell you something. What? What's going on is that Priscilla Presley's, well, you know, Priscilla Presley's daughter, Lisa Marie, died. Lisa Marie has a daughter, an actress, hot actress, Riley Keough. Riley and Keough. And she's around 30 or something now, right? Cute as fuck, too. Seen her naked in that show called, uh, what the hell was it? You got to watch the that. The Girlfriend Experience. Thank you. Girlfriend Experience. <laughs> what a fucking show. Oh, was she hot in that? Riley Keough. Man, oh, man. She'll get your blood boiling. And she's titties, ass, everything's out there except for the VJ, vagina. That's how you spell it. VJ? Yeah, that's a sound for me. JJ. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so Lisa Marie dies. Priscilla's still alive. Lisa Marie was her daughter. And Lisa Marie decides to leave her estate, which basically includes the rights to Graceland and some other shit. Because Elvis left his estate to his daughter because he was no longer married to Priscilla. And that's what his wishes were. When when Lisa Marie made up her will, she left all of her belongings to Riley Keough, the actress, 33-year-old hot actress, and said, darling, this is my gift to you upon my death. Very well, she sweet. She left it to all of her kids. She has other kids. Oh, and she does. Riley her? was put in charge. Oh, I thought it was only Riley because she's the hottest. No, no. No, I thought that's why she was in charge. Whoever's <laughs> the hottest is in charge. <laughs> But anyway, um, which was, you know, and that's it. That's the end of it. But now, according to what I'm reading, that Priscilla Presley is going to go to court with her granddaughter or is threatening to. And uh, because she feels that her daughter's inheritance should go to her. Listen, I'm not leaving. I mean, I'm leaving my mother something. My mother, my mother's not dying. My mother's staying alive for like next hundred years. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've made arrangements to continue taking care of her upon my death. But, I mean, I'm... But you know, you're not giving her the bulk of everything. No. I mean, wh on what planet would Lisa Marie leave Graceland to her mommy? She left Graceland to her three daughters, Riley, Keough, Harper, and Finley. Are they as hot as their sister? They're young. Please leave them alone. How old are they? 
I don't know. Well, I mean, how young could they be? Teen and yeah, yeah, these are here. recent kids with her last husband. Oh, you mean there's a 33 year old, and then she had another bunch of kids later on. Yes. Oh, they're 14 year old the... twins, Howard. 14 year old. Yeah. Well, then you know, I'll leave them out of the hot discussion. <laughs> well, it's appropriate. <laughs> What do I know? I don't know. I assume if the daughter was 33, the other ones would be, you know, like 30. No, no. They yeah. were. Oh, I forgot. Families. It's Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, Priscilla Presley claims that, again, I'm reading this. The original amendment to the will misspells her name and that Lisa Marie's signature is inconsistent with her usual and customary signature. So, in other words, she's saying this must be fraudulent. Or maybe right. she wasn't in her right mind, kind of that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Listen, I say it's safe to assume that, uh, and listen, you're going to go and go, go to court with your granddaughter. Give it up, honey. It's enough. You know, she don't loves you want a relationship? being in control of Elvis. She was never in control when he was alive. Yeah. Well, listen, I feel for her. If, if Elvis was climbing on top of me when I was 14 and sticking that hillbilly cock of his into me, I would, uh, absolutely, and then divorces me because I had a baby. I would too would want to, I want something too. But, uh, listen, that ain't the way the will went and it's your granddaughter. That's it. I don't know. It's bothering me. So I thought I'd mention it. It's bothering me. I, I, I'm, I'm bothered by the whole affair. It seems sad to me that a grandma and a, and a the granddaughter are fighting over this fucking Graceland. They, they, I don't even understand how anybody goes to Graceland. Who the fuck wants to see where he fucking lives? It's not just Graceland. It's the, you know, control of all of his music. All right. And uh, anything Image. that is licensed Elvis. They, that's a... What they call a shit ton of money. <laughs> Priscilla is, um, she's great at Naked Gun. One of my favorite movies of all time is Naked Gun. Which, by the way, that Reggie Jackson, who's coming on the show today, was in Naked Gun. Reggie's the one who... I don't remember. Don't you remember that. at the end when Reggie uh, is going to kill the Queen of England? It, no. it, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. It was that, um, they put like a, a robot brain in Reggie Jackson and the queen was at the, uh, Oakland A's game and Reggie comes over and, uh, walks up and goes, I must kill the queen. I must kill wow. the queen. Yeah. You've watched that more than once, I would say. Fuck yeah. That's a fuck. <laughs> that, that movie is like, that, that movie holds up for real. I mean, I it really go does. Take a look again. Yeah, Reggie was in that. Yeah, he was really good too. Played a convincing robot, right? JD, I got that right. Wasn't yes, it Reggie was who tries? Sort of, <clears throat> there was some sort of thing put in his watch that it made a sound. Right. You know, uh, Ricardo and, Montalban. And, 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 yeah, Ricardo Montalban. I know exactly. <laughs> Ricardo Montalban had a watch that when he hit the button, he's sitting there with Priscilla at the game, uh, and uh, he hits the watch, and then Reggie all of a sudden drops his mitt. Yep. And he goes over. I think he had a knife he was going to kill her with. No, he walks over to second base. Oh, with a gun. Pulls the base. Yeah, he pulls the base up and he has a gun (laughs) hidden under the base. And then he goes and then Reggie Jackson comes out of the outfield and walks over to uh, second base, grabs the gun. And then he goes, I must kill the the queen of England. I must kill the queen. And he goes up to the queen. He pulls the gun. And then I think it was. um, Frank Drevin does something and a. 
Something I forget. No, I, I, I know remember. what it is. Okay, go Drubbin <laughs> has poisoned darts in his watch, and he hits it. <laughs> oh my god! And oh, the no. poison. Hold on, some hit it. It goes off something. It like ricochets off him. It hits <laughs> some like big, uh, big wall. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's some, like big, big woman in the crowd, and she falls on top of Reggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, oh, I know what it was. <laughs> he, that you're absolutely right. Drubbin, Drubbin, the detective hits the his thing. He misses. It hits this huge woman in the stands. She falls out of the balcony on top of uh, <laughs> Reggie Jacks on top of Reggie and knocks him out. <laughs> It's so oh, great. Christ. He's like built in that movie. Like he's like he's like really muscular. Like uh Reggie was the best. You know what? I mean, Reggie's power, I believe, came from that lower body of his. Jesus Christ, he was huge. I mean yeah. He was solid. You know, there was he no was solid break yeah. in that. You know, like some guys don't have legs, you know, if they have a big upper body, but he mm. had it all. The real man. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, but he failed. He didn't uh, kill the queen, and you know, here's a fact: when uh, when the queen died in 2022, uh -huh. Reggie tweeted out, "quote Now we all know I was innocent." Amen. Rest in peace, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie didn't want to kill her. He was programmed to kill her. Uh, anyway, I'm just upset about this fighting between family members. Yeah, it's weird to me, but. Well, it's all weird. I mean, they've had weird lives. Yeah. I always liked that uh, President Biden had a uh, woman named Jen Psaki used to be his press representative on all those press conferences, and she was hot. Now she's on MSNBC, and they gave her her own show. Yeah. And I think I, I, think I like the name, Inside Jen Psaki. Like, uh, who came up with that? I don't know. Who's Inside. running uh, MSNBC? <laughs> yeah. Sexy. Yeah. Let's go inside Jen Psaki. Yeah. I was watching MSNBC yesterday. They were going fucking berserk with, uh, you know, Trump potentially being arrested. These indictment possibilities. Oh my God. It's the same discussion over and over again. They go... It's very possible that President Trump will be indicted, uh, according to, first of all, Trump. We don't know, but. <laughs> and then they all come on the air and they're all discussing whether or not Trump's going to be indicted. I go, you know, why don't you sit tight and wait and see instead of like That's speculating. Right. You don't have to speculate. This is, see, this is what my problem is with those news shows. They treat politics like sports. You know, well, when a sports when something like the Super Bowl is coming up, you have two weeks to discuss what's going to happen in the well, Super Bowl. They got listen. They got to fill twenty four hours a day. They got plenty to to do. But you know, it's crazy. the uh, the The thing I love is that uh, you know everyone is talking about Trump, Trump, Trump. And today he was you know yesterday was the day he was going to be arrested. But Trump is the one who said he was going to be arrested, and they all believe him. That well, he was going to be arrested. Drummed up the news again. I said, I guess people are happy because he's back, and he's telling them what <laughs> stories to cover. Every yeah, day. I mean, you don't know what's going on.
Oh, speaking of devil. Hey, hey, Donald, how you doing, man? Donald Trump. Good morning. Everybody. Good morning. I'm so excited, Howard. So excited. I couldn't even sleep last night. I'm back in the news. Back in the news. <laughs> well, let me ask you a couple of questions about that. I read a report in the New York Times. They're saying you're at least telling your friends, you're fronting to them that you're all excited that you're going to oh. maybe even have a perp walk or something like that. This or... is going to be so big. The first president indicted ever. This is big news. Plus two, two impeachments. No one will ever be able to catch up to my numbers. I mean, Nixon won't even be close on this one. No one uh, expected that. Uh, I mean, you you say it like a badge of honor. You would think you'd be embarrassed that they're going to indict you. I mean, you're going to have to take a mugshot and all that. I mean, uh, well, you know, I was I wanted to ask you about that for the mugshot. Should I be smiling or should I make it like a, a tough guy face and shoot some gang signs or something like that? Well, because that's what it said in the paper. You're trying to decide whether or not to smile mm -hmm, when they're right. walking you into the, you know, to be get your mugshot. You would you. You're planning this out like it's a bar mitzvah. Absolutely. We're going to have a film crew. We're going to do this. We're going to make this the greatest net, you know, the Chris Rock net Netflix thing. This is going to be bigger than that. This is going to wow. be really, really big. And just wait until the trial. I mean, this is going to be bigger than OJ and Casey Anthony combined. Well, listen, I wish you luck with it. You know, I wasn't looking at it as something that would be positive for you. But you seem to be genuinely excited to get indicted. Although, I do have a theory that maybe you're acting excited, but inside you're really nervous. No, no, no. I'm very, very excited. I mean, this is a lot of press. This is global. This is global. It's back like when I was president, which I still am. But this is even bigger and better because I'm, you know what they call it? Controlling the narrative. I told everyone I was getting arrested on Tuesday. They believe me. They believe me. They went to New York. They got hotel rooms. They were, you know, protesting for me. This is fantastic. I really aren't you feel... nervous, though? You told the people to go out and protest for you. That's what you did on January 6th. And you might even exactly. potentially be. Yeah, but you could be in trouble. What if somebody gets out of control and then there's violence and they pin it on you for telling everyone to go do that? I haven't gotten in trouble yet, so I think so far, so good. You know what I mean? Right, we'll blow right. that He's bridge right. up when we He's come right. to it. I was thinking about um, Melania. Like, how is she in all this? Because it's about Stormy Daniels and payoffs. And I mean, you can't be Well, is that. it tense at home again? Well, it would be tense if she was there. You know what I mean? She loves to play hide and go see. We're in the middle of a your... three-month marathon. I haven't seen her, to tell you the truth. And what is your plan for not having prison sex? What if you do go to prison? Every prisoner is going to want to fuck you in the ass. I mean, you well, hold really... on, hold on, hold on. Listen, the best part about prison, conjugal visits. Conjugal visits from Melania. She has to have sex with me. <laughs> right, they force you to. They force oh. it on her. Well, good for you. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm happy for you. You're happy, uh, that you're gonna have to, uh, go and get booked and everything. I, you know, I, I thought maybe you'd be ashamed, but I guess. No, okay. I'm gonna be the entire news cycle for the next six years. It's gonna be absolutely fantastic. And well, I'm I so think you, excited. You know, it's I always say. in New York, not shitty Georgia. It's New York. You know, well, all I, I can hear is the song New York, New York playing in the back of my head. Well, I'll tell you, most people would be upset about getting arrested or being up for indictment, or all this kind of thing. But uh, you have a very positive attitude. And uh, I mean, listen, that's what they say in life. 
have a positive attitude and you do. And that's what I was taught. That's what I was taught at the Collegiate Marble Church. Positive mental attitude. Turn, make lemons into lemonade. And this is going to be the biggest lemonade stand ever. All right. Well, there you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. There he is, uh, President Trump. Says it's going to be the biggest. Question for you. Should Biden yeah. pardon him so he doesn't have this platform? <laughs> <laughs> no. God's sake. I mean, to go to jail. If he well, no. I mean, they've gone to all this trouble to get him into jail. If they, if they manage to do it, you can't pardon him. That's crazy. I want but to if thank Melissa. He keeps Melissa. beating these reps. It just looks terrible. Well, who knows? Oh, this fucking mad Russian. Let me, let, dude, Is I already back? went. He's back. What, what do you want from me? I went here. You weren't there. I am sorry, man. I was trying to get myself unmuted. I'm really nervous. Give me a break, man. All right. Mad Russian used to call into the show for many years. I haven't heard from you in years. What's on your mind? Well, I got something important to tell you, and I'm nervous as hell. I'm really sorry. Well, first of all, I'm going to ask you to stop calling me the Mad Russian. I'm the Mad Ukrainian. All right. Fair enough. Thank you. And I'm on my way to Ukraine to be a war correspondent. I'm not joking. For who? For United States of America, for media here. Oh, boy. Listen to me. You're a cab driver, right? I used to be. Yeah. Listen to me. What are you now? I am a war journalist. No, you're not. You got to have a job. Yes, well, you, you're going you're gonna to go over to Ukraine and be a journalist for no one? You're gonna, who are you going to talk to? You talk, You know what? You remind I'm me of a podcaster in his mother's stories. basement. What? I'm actually ready to be boots on the ground for you for your show well that's fine call us from ukraine and give me a report at least you have someone to talk to can i tell you can i tell you what's really going on go Please. ahead for the last year i've been actually volunteering for one of the most famous ukrainian journalists vladimir zolkin the guy is actually interviewing POWs, the Russian POWs from maybe the seventh day of the war. How old are you Every now? Day, How uh, old are you now? How old are you? I'm 60, but... You 60 or you 61? I'm 61. Okay. First of all, if you're well, going to be a correspondent, you got to be honest with people. I am honest. You just well, lied about your age. You're 60 or you're 61. You got to make lie. up your mind. <laughs> the, now, the birthday that they, happened to me during the war, I didn't really count as a birthday. So, yes. Are I'm you are you healthy enough to be a war car? I mean, you're 60 fucking one yes, years old. You are? I'm very much in shape. I'm 5'10". I weigh 150 pounds. I'm very slim. I'm very active. And what happens when you get to Ukraine, if you're really going to go do this? You have a place to stay, or are you just going to go hang? Yes, yes, yes. First, I'm going to cross into uh, Lviv. That's where I come from. That's in the western, far most western part of Ukraine. It's a big European city. It's completely safe. That's where I check in for my accreditation, for credentials as a freelancer. I don't do crazy stuff anymore like I used to on your show, Howard. Right. All right. Well, listen. Go over to Ukraine. I think you're a little old. Rising July eighth. 
I think you're a little bit old for this, but what do I know? And uh, are you least... too old for your radio show? Yes, of course I am. <laughs> this is ridiculous. No, I should be retired, for Christ's sakes. No one no. will let me around here. They, they tell me the fucking company will collapse. That's all I need. Listen, but, man, you are in the prime of your life. You're doing the kind of radio that everybody's dreaming about. You're right, the only to me. person that has 40 million listeners. and <laughs> 80 million listeners. Listening. 80 million. Yeah, okay. 85 million. <laughs> it's going up right now with you on here. Uh, five more million people just signed up. So, uh, yeah. you know, listen, all joking aside, if you're really hell-bent on going over to Ukraine, and the only I reason I bent. say... My okay. President Biden and my President Zelensky, I'm also a Ukrainian citizen by birthright. Yes, I know. Uh, they but it's asked very... for help. Okay. I admire your... I don't think they meant you. I think they were looking for tanks <laughs> yes, and bullets. Yes, they did. I'm going to try to focus the attention... <laughs> That was very mean, Ron. What's going on? What the Russians are doing to Ukraine? You don't think President Biden was thinking of uh, mad Ukrainian when they... uh, (laughs) Actually, I met President Biden when he was a senator a couple of times, especially when I was actually doing crazy shit for you at the presidential Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. And I've heard that you don't even have money for a helmet or a bulletproof vest. What? I'm actually gathering it right now. Well, I have to have a tactical helmet, level four, and I have to have a ceramic plate body armor because I will be traveling to the front lines because I want to film a bunch of dead records. Hold on a second. Oh, hey, it's President Zelensky from Ukraine. Hi, President Zelensky. Howard, please, I beg of you. We need in our country planes. We need Patriot missile systems. Do not send us this asshole. We have no use for him. <laughs> President Zelensky, you do not want mad Ukrainian coming over to your country? This dipshit already gave away our locations on your radio show. You think Putin <laughs> does not have serious, you mad idiot? No! Uh, President Zelensky is pleading mad Ukrainian not to go over, stay home, just send missiles. If this was for real, I would stay. I would definitely stay, but it's oh, not Oh, it's real. real. You can, listen. Real. listen. Stay actually, home. Hold Don't on. Don't be an asshole. You are going to everything that I'm going to send to America will go to Ukrainian government. They will block out all the GPS on any video that I want to send to the United States. Let me States. say something. Let me, uh, 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 President Zelensky, thank you. Okay. Thank you. We don't need this asshole. Thank you. Zelensky. Um, mad Ukrainian. In all yes, seriousness, I, I like you. You're a nice guy. You know, you, Ukraine right now is a very dangerous place. You know that. And you're 61 well, years old. What, do I what have are you going to do? I've lived a what, full life. What are I you going to do? You yeah. haven't lived a full life. In fact, I can make He's an argument. You haven't, finished? Even, <laughs> you haven't even begun living. But the, um, well, I'm so young. I haven't even begun living. I have nothing to do. Man. I have no kids. I have no family. All I want to do is help Ukraine. No, I think it's very, listen, I'm, I'm being but serious now. Yeah, it's I, not a bit, man. I'm really fucking I know. passionate about this. I know, but l- listen to me. What are you going to yeah. do if you get to Ukraine and one of these young Russian soldiers attacks you? How are you going to take them out? Okay, 
No one's going to attack me because in Ukraine, oh, I can only get hit by a missile or a bomb. No. If I'm at the front line and they start shooting, there'll be Ukrainian military protecting the press. It's not a free-for-all, I... man. What if you get captured, dude, and they fuck you right in your ass? Huh? The the Russians are raping some of these people. They don't want to rape me. If they capture you, well, you're in good shape. You know. (laughs) You kept yourself together. (laughs) And they ain't raping because you're making them. No, you're not attractive, but they, they rape for torture. They do it to humiliate you. To, 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 to demoralize you. You don't know what's going on over there. It's very dangerous. I don't I know, know what's if you're going go- on over there. I've been so steeped into Ukrainian culture for the last year. First of all, they want to be like Americans. They want to have European standards, but they want to be like Americans. They, that's why that fucker Putin is destroying Ukraine or trying to destroy Ukraine, but they're not going to let it happen. Well, let's hope not. I'm with you. I'm with you. For Ukraine. I'm with the people of Ukraine, but uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. I mean, uh, yeah, and you know, sure. but you would just be in the way. Know what's going on? Hey, ah, you hear what Robin said? If I went to Ukraine, I would just be in the way. I got a feeling you're going to be in the way. <laughs> you're just going to be no, a problem that they have to fix. Well, mad, mad Ukrainian is going over there. That's what he's here to announce. He has no business being. No one's sending him there, but he will report for us. So when he gets right. to the front line, call me from the front line, okay? Yeah, right. I'll call you after no. the front line, and I'll put the video and audio in a Dropbox you can pull before that, and I'll report Good. on what I've seen. Please do. Right. Don't get yourself killed over there, pal. I can't call you from the front line because I'm going to be shooting have... with a GoPro camera every time I'm there. Oh, come on. GoPro, you attach it to your forehead. And you can call me on your iPhone. What's wrong with you? Call me live from the front line. I will be thinking about calling you from the front line. I will call you with ready reports. Well, you might as well, because no one else is looking for your report. Uh, You'd be surprised. All right. Well, listen, good luck, mad Ukrainian, all right? Thank you. If you really mean it, thank you very much. I do mean it. Of course he means it. I mean it. Of course I mean it. I'm, I'm with the people never, of you. I may never actually come back to life again. So oh, please remember, I'm not true. one of your whackbacks. I truly admire you. Well, you are. No. Hold on a second. Before you go, okay. mad Ukrainian. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's President Biden. He wants to say something to mad Ukrainian. Go ahead, President Biden. Now, look. First and foremost, I remember this man. I've had many conversations discussing him. And we need to no, send him to the front right. lines tomorrow. Whatever gets him out of America. We do not want him here. <laughs> don't have to go to Ukraine, man. You can go anywhere. But you got to so get out of here. President Biden, you don't want him in America. You don't care where he goes as long as he gets out of here. Now, it's this man's duty to warn another American, American people. Is to get the hell out of here, man. You got to go. All right. Well, I President Biden. Immigration, said- except for this guy, he needs to go, man. All right, Paint a target you, on his chest. Just get him out of here. So how come your President Biden has a redneck accent? No luck. That... I'm from Scranton, Claymont, man. Now, that's where I come from. Now, that would not written it out regardless, man. You understand? Yeah, right. The fearlessness occurred in this nation. Get the hell this guy out of here, man. I'm tired of this man. He's like a corn pop. 
All she right, sounds like you. from King of the Hill. <laughs> All right. Well, you might you might be right about that. All right, man, Ukrainian. Good luck. I, I hope you'll be safe. All right. Uh, yeah, wish we you... look forward to your calls and reports. I will be safe. And thank oh. you, Robin. I I really admire you guys. Seriously. Thank you. Mad Ukrainian, everybody. Thank you, Mad Ukrainian. No longer Mad Russian. No. I normally don't allow people to change their nickname, but in this case, I will. Mad Ukrainian. I like it. It's got a ring to it. Yeah, Matt. Hey, Howard, it's Matt. I'm a doctor uh, from Maine, and I'm pretty extensively covered in tattoos, but kind of from head to toe. And I've listened to some of your old clips where you've talked about, you know, some of the tattoos that you have, Robin has, and not necessarily um, thinking highly of doctors with tattoos, but just curious as time has gone by, if, that, if your opinion has changed, given how prevalent Not at all. Not at all. In fact, more so. I don't want to walk into a doctor's office and my doctor all heavily tatted up. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, I, you know, uh, you know, listen, it's just, first of all, I have tattoos. And... You know, I, I still to this day, I'm a little troubled, maybe because of my generation. But when you saw a guy heavily tattooed, you go, something wrong with this guy mentally. I mean, what's his problem? Like, he, what, he's got so low self-esteem, he's got to be covered in fucking tattoos in order to create an identity. It's something, you know, it's something, something off with the guy. So I don't mind if something's off with the guy if he's a DJ or he's a, you know, or if he's a wedding planner. I mean, if... uh or he's or he's my cab driver. Or when he's my who's waiting for him while he finishes his his snake. But if I'm having a kidney surgery and I see a guy's fingers all covered in tattoos and his wrists, I'm like, you know, fuck this guy. I'm done. I I, I am I am not comfortable with that concept. I I think my doctor should have no some tattoos. Some people should not have tattoos, and yeah. some people shouldn't even be interested in them. It shouldn't even come into their brain that they should have a tattoo. It, it would freak me out. Yeah. yeah, you should be so busy studying that you have no time for that. How many tattoos do you have, Matt? Uh, I can tell you I have about 500 hours of tattoos. And, but here's the thing in terms of busy studying. Mm. So I graduated medical school from a pretty prestigious medical school, Alpha Omega Alpha, which is the medical, it's like Phi Beta Kappa of medical school. So I certainly have, uh, you know. Alpha Omega Alpha. I never heard of a fucking medical school, Alpha Omega yeah, Alpha. No, that's not yeah, the name of the medical AOA. school. He, he got a degree Phi Omega, whatever he just said. Wait a second. What medical school did you go to? University of Rochester. I went to Harvard for uh, residency. Yeah. Well, all right. I can't say anything bad about that. But, I, you know, look, I'm just telling you. I'm, when I There are certain professions. You know, I'll tell you even in radio. And you're going to call me crazy because I have tattoos. And, you know, and I kind of feel like by the time I got tattoos. Yeah. I had earned them. I was already pretty famous. But if I had to walk in, excuse me, if I had to walk into a radio station when I first was starting out, I would tell any young broadcaster starting out, don't get tattoos. Because the reason I was hired, I was a shitty disc jockey, but the guy liked me because I had short haircut. I had a business suit on. And he said to me, I'm sick of hiring all these fucking hippies. They don't show up for their airships, and you look like a normal guy. So I don't even care about your tape. I just need a normal fucking guy. <laughs> and 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 so I got the job. If I had had tattoos, and I'll tell you the truth, 
if I had two young students or young people who just graduated college in front of me and I had to hire them right now, one has, they, you know, and they're equally credentialed and all that. And I'm looking at the two of them. And if I see one young punk covered up in tattoos and the other one isn't, I'm hiring the one that isn't because I'm saying to myself, this is this guy doesn't look right, you know. There's some these guys. I got customers he, coming through the doors. I don't know that they're going to like this look. And not only that, unless it's a head shop. And you know, <laughs> and here's the thing. I also feel like, well, you're kind of young for this. Like, dude, you, you didn't even pay for those tattoos. Your parents did. Get the fuck out of here. That's how I feel. Thank you, man. Well, now, but, uh, Howard, everybody has a tattoo. I don't care. How, how? What kind of doctor are you? What kind of medicine? Psychiatry. Psychiatry. That's Ta- out. Tattoo yourself up. <laughs> My psychiatrist has no tattoos. <laughs> um, you know, you know where you see the most doctors with tattoos. Where? In porn. Oh. I watch a lot of porn, <laughs> and a lot of times a young hot chick will go to a doctor, and he's talking blah blah blah. I watched one out of Germany the other day on uh, you porn, and the guy's like, "Yeah," and the next thing you know, you know they they're going at it, and the guy takes his, you know his medical outfit off, and he's covered in fucking tattoos. <laughs> and I'm like, "That's okay." Even that I don't like really because <laughs> if I'm watching a porn, I want to I want to believe the guy's a doctor. I still I still like to suspend disbelief, you know. Yeah, you've all heard the you've all you've heard the phrase, Matt. Dress for the job you want. You're dressed to be a prison gang member. <laughs> well, I respectfully disagree with that. I've, I've had a lot of success in my career, and I still look mm-hmm. professional. I wear a suit, and so I yeah. guarantee you, Matt, that a lot of your potential patients left because you have you were heavily tattooed. They don't even care that you went to. Can Harvard. they see them above his? collar uh uh or in at his sleeve or does he completely cover them when he's working that's a good question robin they're mostly covered every once in a while if i work for example on a weekend sometimes i'll wear short sleeves and they're more visible but it's interesting you say that howard (laughs) my psychiatrist never wears short sleeves I bet you scare old ladies. I bet you most of your clientele is under 30 because they're probably like, Jesus Christ, look at this fucking guy. You know, uh, you it's gotta... funny you say that, though, because really the only feedback I've ever gotten has been positive. Even people who've had questions, it's, it's always helped humanize me and help me connect with patients. And as you know, the relationship no. is really the key factor. In they're the lying to you. The treatment. Yeah, well, I you know, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. I, I really like Post Malone's music, but I don't want that fucking guy giving me a physical. He's got fucking <laughs> tattoos on his face. Yeah, imagine that you walk in, you, you got Post Malone there as your MD. Now, Matt, you know, uh, hey, hey, everybody, uh, like I just pictured talking to my mother. Oh, you gone to the psychiatrist? Yes, yes, but my psychiatrist looks like he's in the Hell's Angels. Oh, really? Okay, man. <laughs> I understand if you're in a bike organization, if you're in, um, you know, that I understand. Do you have piercings, too? No. No, just the tattoos. But they're high-quality art. I mean, that's the thing. I think that's the difference. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Nobody's examining the quality when they're evaluating whether they want a psychiatrist or not. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a well, it's a it's a slippery slope. No, man, it's not good. But all right, you got him. What are you going to do? And you seem to be doing just fine. And plus, you live up in yeah, Maine. Or, you know, they're, they're a little looser with what little, they accept. Yeah, they have to well, take what they can get. Is what they're a little looser with who you know. Uh, he says <laughs> he's a doctor. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, all right, Matt. yeah. We're, we're, all right, thanks, Howard. Appreciate it. All right, it. thank you. Yeah, my, my, my cardiologist is Takashi69. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, you're on the air in New York. Hey, Howard. First time, long time. So here's the situation. I have a different point of view about this. I'm an Ivy League trained physician. I think that if someone has the patience to sit in a chair for that long, it, and, and has tattoos all over them. Is it my particular style? No, but it shows that they have patience, that they've got, oh, you know, their no, finances no. in order. And honestly, I don't care. if I'm not going to be best friends with my mechanic if he can fix my car. Different I, I story. Don't, I don't care. No, you, you got to well, dress the part sometimes. You know, you're going to be a professional doctor, dentist. No tattoos for you, you know. You don't need them. That's it. I mean, I don't have them, but at the same time, you should be wearing long sleeves. You, you should be wearing a lab coat. You, I mean, no, you know, if you're no tattoos. And, you know, if it's that hard for you to get through life without fucking tattoos, there's something wrong with you. All right. Thank you, Alice. And I don't care God. that you can sit for 500 hours. Shows <laughs> patience, what Robin. What does that do for me? <laughs> How about you sit and study for 500 hours? Never mind tattoos. Uh, yes, Betsy. Hello, everybody. First time, long time. And I have also a different perspective on this. My husband is a physician, and he um, got stage four metastatic cancer in the middle of his training for medical school. So he has um, tattoos, but each one is on um, one of his tumor sites. And I think well, that's that different. Tattoo well, no, it's it? not. I mean, because, no, it's not. No, because yeah. your husband should be proud of his uh, scar. Hey, I don't need your, I don't need my doctor having tattoos. I understand. And by the way, this is such an outrageous example, Betsy, because the man had uh, cancer and OK, he's got scars, blah, blah, blah. So he covered him up. But, but at least he's got a good excuse. OK, well, but still, my, what is so what's wrong with scars? I don't care if my doctor a has a scar. They aren't scars, but what? Oh, then what's he covering what I'm up? Asking you though. Well, they're not. They are memorializing where that um, cancer impacted him. He had a whole bunch. They, you know, it was in his, it was in his lung, his pancreas, like all, all over. Right, look, look, listen. And, I'm not going to no, tell you I'm my like, true feelings about what you're saying because it's a horrible story. And no, you uh, you're, you know, you're pulling out an example that's so outrageous. I'm talking about people. Certain professions should not have tattoos. You know I'm right. Everyone knows I'm right. I don't That's know. That's it. Well, nobody, my, this is the, no, I, I know. You don't have to know. The reason you listen to this show is so you, you learn from me. No, Howard, my question is... I know the right is, thing really, to do. No, what I'm asking you is, and I mean this completely honestly, each of your tattoos tells a story. There's a reason you got each of them. Oh, it's I know why I got my tattoos. I got them because I have low self-esteem and I want to look like a tough guy. What are you talking about? I, I, I got them for all the wrong reasons. I think it's going to make me... wedding ring? That's because you're insecure? Of course. Of course it is. 
why do you think I smoked cigarettes when I was a teenager? I wanted to look like a badass, so one of these dumpy chicks would fuck me finally. <laughs> Robin, Robin, I'm asking you. Can you understand? Because I don't know that she knows. I know everything. No, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm of course, Robin, because she actually when, when I got when I got my one. ear pierced, it was because I have low self esteem. I got tattoos because I have low self esteem. What do you think a tattoo is? To do with low self esteem and everything to do with yes, it has everything to do with wanting to look like something you're not inside. That's it. Admit the truth. Everybody. Nothing to do with that. No, because his are underneath all of his clothes. He doesn't display those. But what I heard you say earlier was no doctor should have any tattoos at all. What I heard Robin say a little bit earlier. The real truth is underneath your clothes. Tattoos are for people who have nothing better to do. There's always something well, better again, to do on a tattoo. However you need to to incorporate or process that you've had yeah. a terrible illness, I'm all yeah. for. I was on the radio. Well, two years later, uh, Howard. I got it two years later. Well, Let's maybe go. you ought to move. Something's going on in your house. I think you're near a phone What's line. What's in the water over there? Yeah, tell tell them to bury the, bury the phone line. We're doing great. We're doing but, great. But here's, but here's the point, thing. But Robin here's gets the it. Thing. Robin gets it. Listen. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I was uh, on the radio as the wild man of radio. And one day, the rock star D. Snyder says to me, Jesus Christ, you look like my accountant. <laughs> and he said, well, he's on to something. to you. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I look like every man I had. To. Then he said, you know, I ought to just beef up my image. So I remember I grew the hair. I got the earrings. Then I got the tattoos. It was also I could be, uh, you know, look like maybe it I was, was a bad. creating ass. an image, a brand. Exactly. These tattoos. That's it. Well, so it's fine for me. One. I'm a douchebag on the radio. You, you are a physician. People, people don't like that. That's what I'm telling you. There are certain jobs you shouldn't have a tattoo. Now, maybe one day that'll change, but I'll be long gone. I mean, I'll I'm be, disturbed. I'll when be with I'm Jesus. Even watching. Yeah, it's just odd when all of a sudden uh, somebody reaches over to do something and you see a sleeve of tattoos. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Betsy. I'm right. All right, Jennifer, you have the last word. And, Hi, uh, and then I want to play a phony phone call involving me doing an impression of my mother. So, uh, yes, Jennifer, go ahead. Um, so funny you were going to say that because I want to say something about that, too, but I'm calling in about the tattoos. Because I completely agree with you. Um, I met my husband about 18 years ago, and he had uh, no tattoos. We went on our honeymoon. He got a tattoo. I thought, oh, this is so cute. He's going to remember our honeymoon. And it has now turned into such an obsession. He has both sleeves, full arms covered. He just got his complete neck. And I, I, I'm not for it. I have no tattoos. I say to him, it changes completely your look is not you know i didn't marry someone with full tattoos and i was really kind of upset about it well he's trying to be a badass now the more tattoos you see the more insecure the person is you know that in fact and and you talk about on a woman i mean you gotta be really careful in your woman i in porn when i see tattoos i'm right on to the next uh, uh porn <laughs> i mean there are women in porn who tattoo their hips and their 
you know, their thighs, their ass, their fucking vagina. I'm like, who's, I, I, I turn, I go right to the next one. I don't want to see it. I just feel like, where does it stop at this point? I said to him, what are you going to do next? Like your face, it's just, where does it well, stop? I don't know what your husband does, but there's no one working at the Mayo Clinic with a face tattoo. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, that's people know what I'm. That's it. Coworkers are actually all for it. Doesn't help us, but um, you know, remote working doesn't help either. Because you can cover them, and you're not seen as much, so it's it's made it a little different. Oh, look! Here's a doctor here, Doctor Now. Doctor Now, do you have any tattoos? Yeah, no, I don't have that any tattoos. You gotta do the work as a doctor. You have to study. You don't worry about a tattoo. You learn to read a book. What is this? You get a cramp stamp on your back and your cardiologist. You have no self-control like the fat soul that come to see me. It's ridiculous. Right. And there's a guy who's a doctor. And you operate on people. Imagine the, 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 oh, f thank you, doctor. I All see right. the <laughs> people, they come in the 400 pound, they had a butterfly tattoo. It looked like a melted squirrel by the end. It's tiny skin. Yeah. You need to worry about your diet, not a tattoo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Enough with the tattoos. Those silly questions. Of course, the doctor should not have a tattoo. That's the end of it. Um, yeah, so I mentioned I have a phony phone call for you, and I wanted to get to that. Oops. Maybe a little fan feedback before uh, Mr. October Reggie Jackson comes in, who has a new documentary. But first, I You know, I have an indelible memory of Reggie Jackson because I grew up in Baltimore, and there was always right. this rivalry between Baltimore and uh the yankees and there was one of those times i forget whether it was a playoff game or whatever but he just came to town and destroyed us every time he stepped up to bat he right. hit a home run he was or he greatest. hit a double or he hit a triple and it was just like we can't you can't even believe it when you see it it's amazing it is amazing Anyway, I'll uh, talk to him about his new documentary and some other stuff, too. But I did want to play this for you, Rob. And, um, you know, I love my mother. But, uh, you know, I come on here whenever I'm having a tough time with her. I talk it through with you. I do impressions yeah. of um, my mother's conversations with me. Um, last year I was talking with you. I imitated my mom asking me questions about where I broadcast my radio show from. And she couldn't wrap oh. her head around it. I'll just refresh your memory because we ended up using this in a phony phone call. She seemed okay. confused about what I do for a living. Maybe my mom is confused. I don't know. Because she was like, your radio, your, where you work, what is the name of it? I said, uh, Sirius XM. And what, what, uh, where do they, where is their radio station? Where is it from? So I said, I, New York. It's in New York. What am I, <laughs> I you, know, you know what I mean? I, I'm like, what am right, I, I'm You just better answer as simply as you can. <laughs> anyway, we, we take tapes of me doing impressions of my mother and the guys, uh, try calling different, uh, you know, radio shows, internet radio shows. So anyway, uh, Richard took drops of me as confused mom and called an internet clairvoyant show. So here is Ray Stern, my mother, mm -hmm. calling an internet clairvoyant show, if you can imagine. Here we go oh. for some li listening fun. Well 
welcome from the 144th dimension of reality for soul ascension. Hey, 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 and welcome to my show. Uh, hi, 111, you're on the air. Could you give me your first name and where you're calling from? Ray on Long Island. Hey, Ray, how can I help you today? Your radio, your, where you work. Yeah. What is the name of it? Um, I'm on radio, and they are a radio affiliated um, provider. And what, what, uh, where do they, where is their radio station? Where is it from? Uh, no, I'm not at a station. I have a home studio. But where is it from? Uh, I'm, I'm actually in um, Arkansas. Where's the radio station? No, I have my own <laughs> studio. Really? That's something. <laughs> imagine I would be on the radio. Don't be afraid. Um, actually, I'm getting for you that you are actually have like a golden touch. Do you understand that? What? I have a guide and that guide is available to help people energetically through vibration. No, you don't. Oh, what? What is that nonsense? Um, I can see six to eight months into the future, and I'm pretty accurate about what I see. Do you understand that? No! Uh, That's what you say! I'm not... Uh, Goodness sakes, who needs that nonsense? Oh, crying out loud. It's a bunch of nonsense. Yahane, ikikino maha asa. What's that? What is that carrying on? Amana uiika. Sorry. She iikikititini amana uiika. Um, but that is the end of the show, and remember, life's amazing if you choose it. Ting tang walla walla bing bang, Robin. What language was that? E E E. <laughs> what e- word is E E E? Obla di obla da. Life goes on, brah. I guess when the guy gets upset, he breaks into tongues. I, I should do that. E e e papa. <laughs> when 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 uh, Gary upsets me, I'm gonna make like a high, make a hiney ho. Oqua Tanzin one. Oh man, that is great. By the way, that psychic dude, uh, we 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 all were talking about how he sounds like that school teacher on Beavis and Butthead. Listen, listen. Well, Beavis, all I have are some organic walnut clusters and these my other cars a bike bumper stickers. And so I try to bring in vibrational information that's positive and raises people in ascension. Okay. And here's a song that might help you cope with some of those feelings. Okay. Come with me, Mr. Van Driesen. Wasn't that the guy's name? Mike Judge does that voice on Beavis and Butthead. Mr. Van Driesen was Beavis. You say so, I'll believe yeah. it. I know a lot of information. I'm telling you. 
pretty sure. Uh, that's funny that they sound. Maybe that guy's doing both voices. Maybe he is Mike Judge doing the clairvoyant thing on the internet. <laughs> Speaking of psychics, a lot of people wrote us yesterday about Sal doing a psychic reading with a woman over the uh, phone. Yeah, fans think Sal is a lunatic, but they love him anyway. Howard, I'm so glad you played the Sal medium bit. He is the greatest. Insane, but an absolute gem of a man. Howard, is there a greater gift on the earth than Sal? I'd like to officially dub him Sal the Psych Broker or Sal the Pervy Psychic. Uh, one of our writers, Samantha, believes in Sal's psychic abilities, and the audience thought she was a great addition to the segment. I've always enjoyed Sam's appearances, but she knocked it out of the park. She almost made me believe in Sal today. Oh, wow. Howard, how does Leslie West, having a guitar in a closet, have anything to do with talking to Sam's father? <laughs> Leave it to the Stern Show to hire not one, but two kooks with the same wacky <laughs> thoughts. It was hysterical. Um, by the way, uh, Sam is not the only follower of Sal. Angry Alice left a voicemail saying that she oh, believes... Really? She believes in Sal. You know, if you're psychic, you're psychic. You believe in what you want to believe in, and, and no one could change that. And when it comes down to it, I hear in the real world, evil spirit is stronger to me. I can enjoy St. Patrick's Day because some moon cricket, some buckwheat, called me a name because I was dressed up in St. Patrick's outfit. I'm proud I came from a white dick, even though I was cursed through a black pussy. So, say I believe in what you want uh, in your heart. If you believe in what you're telling me on air, go forward. And say hello to my friend, Baba Bullet, and Howard for me. I believe in uh, outer life. I believe something is out there that we cannot explain. Well, uh, uh, you know. well, there is something out there, Sal. We can't explain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jay and Roddy sent this song. Syllable is a breakdown in a word. For example, there's one syllable in apple. When Sal was a young boy, his dad beat him with stale bread. It must have done some damage to the brains inside his head. Prevail. Since then, he has fucked up most words that he has said. That really dumb guy, Sal, who sure seems to be brain dead. My brain talks too much, that's the problem. Cantantangerous, cantantangerous. I'm the perfect idiot. <laughs> uh, one listener wrote me, there's a fine line between psychic and psycho. Very good, I like that. <laughs> Very, and many, yes. m many people, Robin, were shocked that Sal didn't know how many syllables are in the word apple. <laughs> My favorite part of the show was Sal saying the word apple had only one syllable. The public education system in America has truly failed us. Anyway, uh, I was shocked. Uh, you know, I was uh, playing Metamucil Man, one of my new uh, ideas for a song with my yes. band Tuchus. I debuted a little song, and the audience thinks uh, we have another hit. Smell My Tuchus was decent. Metamucil Man is great. Finish wow. up the track and release it as soon as possible. This guy needs it soon. You didn't even want to put it on uh, the album you're creating. That's right. That's right. That's right, Robin. <laughs> um, Metamucil Man is a throwaway. Coming at you. My old Metamucil Man. My old to Metamucil. A fiber thin. So good, it's a hot damn thing. She 
People liked it. Uh, one guy wrote, uh, the fact that Metamucil Man is a throwaway track is a testament to all the great material you must have stored in the vault. Release it all at once, Stern. We demand it. I am reminded that Radiohead did not like the song Creep at all. Um, my true. band, Tuchus, does not like the song Metamucil Man, but the public loves it. <laughs> uh, we also got into a weird debate about the greatest guitar player ever, and fans appreciated this discussion, Robin. Uh, Howard, I... I love when you guys go on music rants like today. Howard, it makes me realize that you've shaped my music knowledge so much. Here's someone who thinks Fred nailed it, if you can imagine that. Shout out to my <laughs> man Fred for saying Brad Paisley and Keith Urban should be on the best guitar list. Country guys are always passed over when compiling these lists. And um, the fans think that we should add Steve Nowicki to the list of great guitar players. Really? Why isn't wow. yes? Why isn't Nowicki, the guitar player from Tuchis, on the best guitar list? He sounds pretty good to me. However, he might not sound great to his neighbors waking him up this morning so early. <laughs> yeah, I worry about them. What's going on over there where he lives? Others think Steve Nowicki should do some homework on more guitarists. How can Steve call himself a guitar player and not be familiar with Stevie Ray Vaughan? He's an absolute legend that should be in the conversation. Howard, tell Nowicki to watch a live performance of the Band of Gypsies and see if he still thinks Eddie Van Halen was better than Jimi Hendrix. It's not even close. And then other people had a write in to suggest who's better than anyone we said. Uh -huh. How can no one, how can no one out of that group of yours not mention Randy Rhodes as the top guitar oh, player? I was trying to think of his name. I well, really was thinking of uh, Ozzy's guitarist, but I couldn't come up with the name. Howard Crazy Train has one of the greatest guitar riffs in all of music history. There you go. Fantastic. 
Howard, in my opinion, David Gilmore of Pink Floyd is the greatest guitar player of all time. Pure Silk is the only way to describe it. His solo on Pink Floyd's song Time is legendary. What about Prince? Prince has some of the best. I thought so. Prince has some of the best guitar riffs of all time. Don't you remember him going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and wailing, absolutely wailing on uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps? Of course I remember that. moment our Derek trucks Derek trucks is easily in the top 10 he and his wife Susan Tedeschi are incredible musicians that guy can rip a solo like nobody's business we had uh, the Tedeschi trucks performance studio in 2019 here's Derek trucks doing a little solo on their song keep on growing Good guys. All right. Well, anyway, the debate goes on. People love that shit. But I know I'm right. Jimi Hendrix was the greatest guitar player of all time, and there's nothing else to say about it. A lot of people uh, thought my idea for John Stewart running for president was a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemed Did to you hear from agree. John? I was wondering. Not a word. Not a word. <laughs> Nobody takes me seriously. Well, I think he'd be great. What can I say? All right, listen, I got to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Reggie Jackson, one yeah. of the greatest of all time. They, they put together a documentary that was really compelling. Reggie premieres this Friday on Amazon Prime Video, so he's here to promote it. And uh, But first, I must tell you, Zip Recruiter. Ah, Zip Recruiter. ZipRecruiter knows that when you own a business, you want to hire employees who will love what they're doing as much as you do. Boy, that's true. We have a couple of people around here who don't love what they're doing as much as I do. (laughs) We somehow screwed up. But how do you find passionate employees who are a good fit for all of your roles? ZipRecruiter. They're the best. Speaking of employees... Did you know it was Fla Fla Flo Fly's uh, birthday? Yesterday? Um, a couple of, no, it was a couple of days ago. Oh, no. Did you miss it? I did. Yeah, when was your birthday, Gary? Because I sent, I sent them a gift. March 14th. And Howard sent me a wonderful, wonderful gift. Howard and Beth sent me a wonderful, wonderful gift. that uh, A beautiful bottle of scotch um, that I love with my name engraved on it. Dot, dot, wow. Dot. If I'm going to be totally candid, this year, I turned to my wife. I said, oh, I I got Gary's birthday coming up on the calendar. I think it's time I stopped sending him a gift. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And my wife goes, no, you've always sent Gary a gift. Of course you have to send Gary a gift. And I'm like, oh, 
I said, I'm sure Gary does. You know, Gary always now has to get me a gift. I'm sure he's sick of it. Well, and can I, I mean, explain this, Howard? Yeah. Because we, we talked about this some years ago, right? I know. And you said it stops. And so Fred and I didn't get you a gift. I think it was a Christmas gift. And you got back in January and go, fucking Fred and Gary. I fucking <laughs> pay their salaries. How could they? They didn't get me a fucking gift. So then we got you a gift again. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And I, I tried to explain to my wife. I've talked to Gary about this. That, you know, it is such a burdensome thing, not only for me, but for Gary. And we've agreed not to get each other's gifts. And she just looks at me like I'm crazy. Because what about the joy of giving? And you you love Gary. Gary's been with you a long mm. time. I go, yeah, I mean, Gary's great. I said, but there's a lot of people there that deserve a gift. Not just Gary. And and Gary and I worked this out. And this will liberate Gary from having to get me a gift. And nope. let's face it. We're nope. t- I, I'm, yes, I'm it would. you a gift. No. No, I, I know. Was, now you have to. No, I was liberated once. I was liberated once and I got sent back to the camps. <laughs> so I'm yeah. in the camps forever. I mean, Gary's birthday's a burden and my birthday's a burden. I mean, I, so my wife said to me, you have to. And then last year I'd gotten him a bottle of scotch because I know he likes it, even though I know he yes. also drinks tequila. But I got him the bottle of scotch with his name on it. And it ain't cheap. It's it's like a whole fucking thing. No, it's I mean, not. It's it's really Especially nice. Especially when you get the bottle engraved yeah. and all that. I want to say it ran me over 500 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Man, thank you. Thank you. No, don't it's, thank me. Thank my wife. I'm fucked. I, I thank her too. <laughs> yeah. No, just thank her. Because I'm like, well, how can I get him? Like, what am I going to get him? I, I got to get him something good. I always get him something good. I wish you could write a note to my wife and just say to her, <laughs> I don't want a gift and how I don't want to have to get Howard a gift. I would do that, Howard, but I, I swear to God, if I sent that to her, she would go, she would hit me back and say, um, Oh, that's, that's weird. That's weird. No, you guys yeah, have that's to do ridiculous. This. Like she, yeah. yeah, she wouldn't, she wouldn't, I don't think she would understand it. No, she doesn't get it at all. She's totally, um, she's not in reality. <laughs> I tell her I There's don't want to get Gary again. Well, Howard that Howard. says it's fun to give gifts. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, and, and I don't want to get my ass kicked for this. Maybe you're not in reality because people. Oh, I know I'm not. I'm not in reality. <laughs> but I mean, I have people I talk to, and I say, you I know, it's like I want to get out of this thing with Gary. I pretty I much got you. I know you do, but I can't. My wife thinks it's wrong, and then I walk around feeling guilty. Uh, we just had this conversation between me and him a couple of months ago you and who and you and me i did yeah what do we say what what conclusion we come to i i don't know what to get you anymore (laughs) i don't know what to get you i'm busy (laughs) and robin goes overboard she says me like 900 gifts she buys out a whole (laughs) store and i'm like oh this poor woman already i mean it's ridiculous and i go crazy Yes. I'm making paintings for her. I'm painting the station. Don't ask. And it takes a lot of time. It's crazy. It's crazy. But we're stuck. Well, we're stuck as long as I, my, if you, if you two would write to my wife and tell her it's over. <laughs> uh, yeah, am, yeah. am I the last one besides Robin? Like, do you get stuff for other people or is, are we? Fred, a, he said. I think I don't yeah. even, Fred, I stopped getting you a gift, I hope. Oh, it's uh, been many, many, many years. Yeah, oh. I've stopped with Fred. Fred, I drew the line. How That's did that happen? How did that happen? I believe the last time was 1983. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
You know what? Well, that's embarrassing because I will go back to getting Fred a gift. I mean, I love Fred. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, no. Uh, you should never sorry, bring Fred. these things up. <laughs> you know what? He's, Fred's my true friend. He knows how tortured I am, and he let me off the hook. Uh, that was it. I really do. I have, and, and I, I see that. I have tried and you're to let hook, him man. off the hook. I am nah, with you, I can't. said it. Ugh. With you, it's a different story. You live alone, and I'm your like oh, your husband. Oh, here we go again. Yeah, I'm like your radio <laughs> husband, your work I don't husband. Want a husband? And you got one. <laughs> you got me. I'm telling you, I have to get you a gift. You need it. Uh... But Baba Bowie doesn't. You need me to get you a gift. You can get mine to Fred. This is why we keep doing it because he feels he needs to. I'm worried about you, honestly. But Baba Booey, I don't worry about. You, I worry about day and night. Ugh. Ridiculous. It's terrible. Well, you don't have to worry about a gift. Yeah, it's good for you. You need it. (laughs) Yeah, you got to rob in a car. You do get good gifts. I do. (laughs) You don't even know the half of what I get, Rob. I know. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. But but I would love to, I I would love to, because Robin comes in during the holidays and these, these gifts are elaborately wrapped and they're from like these places I've never heard of and they look, I mean, they look expensive in the box. Really, my gift to everyone is they have a job. Leave me the fuck alone. That's right. I'm like, you've done more than enough. (laughs) I'm grateful. All right, never mind that. I got to get ready for Jeff, uh, Reggie Jackson. Uh, also love Reggie Jackson, one of the greatest. Played for the Oakland A's. Whenever you read uh, Reggie's stats, it's mind-blowing when you think about the athletic accomplishment alone and all the bullshit he had to put up with and still have. That's the thing, Reggie. It's not that you were a great athlete. All the bullshit you had to put up with in your career and you still managed to be a great athlete. That's the accomplishment. You got all these fuckheads screwing with you. Um, you know, the, the documentary. Here, He's looking around. Four, can we say that? Yeah, you can say it, Reggie. Go ahead. Uh, 14-time All-Star, five-time World Series champion, three straight World Series with the A's, two straight with the Yankees. Um, World Series MVP, 73, 77, 11 total World Series rings. I love in the documentary when you're showing off your rings. It's the greatest. And I love that you point out that the rings have become so gaudy you can't even wear them anymore. It's ridiculous. Hit three home runs, three pitches, game six, 77. It's a great documentary. I loved it. But there's so much to dissect, Reggie. First of all, good to see you. Uh, Uh, I know it's early. No, no. It's it's not early. Um, I would say that I'm uh, excited. I'm I'm not a big interview guy anymore unless I know the person. And when, uh, I'm going to be honest here, uh, like when I found out that there was a company that was associated with, I forget the name, um, and they wanted me to sign a contract to do interviews and like run around the country go here go there and i'm like dude i'm 75 right and and i'm old but i'm still mr october i'm not running up and down the road and in this place and that place i said let me call let me tell you who i think we should have interview me if you want to get if you want to get reach if you want to get 
eyeballs, if you want to get ears. Um, the first guy I would call would be Howard, Howard Stern. Well, I'm, I'm honored that, that Mr. October would think of me uh, as someone valuable enough to call. And, and I understand what you're saying. I mean, we're not that far <laughs> off in age. You get fucking tired. It's just unbelievable. You know, I was thinking about you. When is the last time you went and swung a bat? Like, picked up a bat and tried to hit a ball? Um, to be honest with you, I do it every spring. Um, I have these specially made light bats um, that I get uh, when I was with the Yankees. They, they made a real lightweight fungo so I could go in the cage and show what i'm saying when it comes to hitting i can still do it um and the thing you can. I'll, yes i'll 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 hit the ball off a tee and i can say you see how the height of the tee it's about 36 inches so i'm going to hit the ball down in that left corner of the net five times in a row and the height of the line drive is not going to change I want to show you how to square the baseball. And I can do that eight, ten times in a row. And I said, I don't want you to hit the, the rubber that it's sitting on. I don't want you to touch anything. I want you to be clean. So when somebody walks by the cage and you're hitting, I want that person to say, who is that? Let's stop and watch him. So, yes, I can still swing the bat and still control the barrel. In other words, you're saying to these younger guys, you know, the, the, the guys playing ball now, let me show you my technique. I can still do it. And I, and I want to see you do it. And I would imagine a lot of guys have attitude. Yeah, they know you're the greatest, but at the same point, they're like, Hey, listen, pal, I've gotten this far the way I do things. What can you teach me? I know how I'm going to hit. You know what I mean? There's two types of individuals. One that'll listen to a Reggie Jackson. And the other individual who says, he doesn't know shit. I know what I need to do. Um, uh, I can honestly, Howard, tell you that in all my days with the Yankees, um, I, I never ran into that. Even with, you know, the most prolific guy that's out there today, uh, maybe it's Trout, but Aaron Judge. Um, and he had a different style. He was so big and so overpowering, but, um, I, I've had text message where I can, can still see, um, about Reggie. Thank you. Um, and I understand what you're saying and appreciate what you've said to me. Uh, the year that he hit the 52 homers is, is rookie season. Um, you know, I, I went up to him after this, just about the last, on the last day, and I said, uh, I'd like to get a couple autographs from you and, and an autograph bat. And I said, I've been waiting my turn. He said, come on, Reg. Um, tell me what you need. I, I got you, bro. You need a dozen bats. You need two dozen balls. Tell me what you need. So, um, I, I did, I have not run into anybody, um, that has kicked me to the curb. All the right. young players, and now with the Astros, uh, all the young players have are just extremely attentive as to what I have to say. Now, I know how to fit. Uh, and as an example, when I'm around the Astros, I don't go in the players' clubhouse. Um, it's it's their place. 
You don't belong in there, no matter who you are. Uh, our manager doesn't overwhelm himself in there. You give, you learn how to fit in. We have maybe six, 50, 60 people around the big club constantly. And when I sign to work there, when I sign to work with the Yankees, it's my job to fit in. They don't fit to me. I right. fit to them. And it's, and they recognize it. So, um, I really have not run into a know-it-all snooty toot, if you will, or a pain in the ass. Um, I have not run into anybody like that. It, yeah, it, I think it's, I think it's great that you mentor these guys. In the same way I learned in the documentary that Joe DiMaggio was kind of a mentor to you. He came to you and said, uh, hey, let me, let me tell you about my life. But in other words, he was giving. He wasn't a, a hostile guy. He was a good guy. With, and with, he want- with a lot of guys like that, um, Joe didn't say much. Uh, Mickey Mantle didn't say much. Yogi probably said more than anybody. And he said it with yogiisms all the time. Right. But, um, you know, and, and I, I want to sidestep and, and give you some of the yogi things because they're fun. But baseball players, as just as I was, I was so honored that DiMaggio was sitting on a bench or that Mantle or Whitey were walking around that I wanted to make sure that I was working well, working hard doing the things I should be doing because their eyes understood a good player, a hard worker, a, a great player, and I desperately wanted that approval. And players today are the same. There, we have a young man named Alvarez. We have a extremely hard worker, Alex Bregman, who's a lumpsman of yours. Um, <laughs> we have a young kid uh, by the name of Pena, Altuve, who's, who's a absolute superstar. And those guys are honored when Bagwell comes around, Craig Biggio, a couple of the other Hall of Famers out of there, when Dusty Baker's around. Um, the environment with the good teams, and I've been very fortunate to have been with great organizations. Um, the players there and ownership creates the culture. And the guys fit in, and so they're honored when we are around. Uh, and it, and it's, however, it's very important to understand when to talk, when not to say something, and to be eyes that players know you're watching. So that all of a sudden, two weeks later, or seven games later, when you say something, the player doesn't go, man, you ain't been here. Right. What the fuck are you looking at? Right. So it's it's important for that, that you make yourself seen so that they know you, 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 and it's really all about care. Well, you mentioned yogiisms. Do you have one that sticks out? I mean, one that where Yogi said something and you just went, "Holy mackerel, what the hell is so, that?" Uh, I was uh, now here. Here's a, a, a great scene that that is one. It's a great picture. So Yogi's seventy five, eighty. That's what I am now. Right. And he's getting dressed next to me. There's a locker between he and I. Whitey has a locker on the other side. Whitey and so, and Right. And so Yogi is, is putting his pants on. And uh, I said, Yogi, you know, when you, you know, uh, 
I want to say to you, you know, when you guys traveled, did you stay in the first class hotels and, and was it, uh, you know, what was it like? And he said, uh, oh yeah, 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 Reggie, um, you know, when, when, when we went to play the White Sox over there, uh, in that, uh, you know, the Windy City, um, we stayed in the, uh, the Regis. The, the Regis Hotel. I said, you mean the St. Regis? Said, yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah, you know what I mean. And, um, he says, I really liked the hotel. It was really nice. The, the only thing, the only thing was is the towels were so thick. I couldn't hardly get them in my suitcase and get them home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. So, <laughs> one other one I got to say is we're standing on the foul line in Old Timers Day. All the grits come out, and I was introduced after Yogi because it was Joe D., Mickey, um, Whitey, Yogi, and then me. And we're standing on the foul line, and every year they would run a scroll during the national anthem when they were playing. And we stand there of the persons, the players that had passed on, the people we had lost. And you'd see people 50 years old, you know, young, and you'd go like, wow. Uh, I didn't know that guy passed away so young. And so Yogi is standing next to me, and he's... putting his elbow in my ribs and i say yogi the the camera's probably on us you know you know the anthem the anthem and he keeps going going and i said well what do you want and so yogi these are the people that have died so yogi says boy you know i hope i don't ever see my name up there (laughs) (laughs) that's the greatest (laughs) (laughs) oh man you know there's something about I mean, if you get to be an elite athlete like you do, and, and it's funny, when I was thinking about you, I went, I wonder if Reggie's ever figured out how ma- what are the odds of becoming a professional baseball player? And I said to my guys, let's do a computation. They said 0.17 is the odds of becoming a professional athlete. 0.19 is the odds of getting hit by lightning. I mean... It is such a, yeah, wow, that's what I said. To be part of that group and you stand in there with Whitey and Yogi and Mickey Mantle, I mean, it's one hell of a club. It really is. And there's so few guys that you could really relate to in your life. That's why, you know. I I can reverse that in, in, in certainly one way, um, that's relative to you and, who would I compare you to um, as far as uh, bigness, um, reach? Uh, I would probably, just off the top of my head, and I hadn't thought about this before I came here, uh, who has not heard of Dick Clark? Right. And he was a star. When he was 80, he looked like he was 50. Yep. Um, but he was from the 50s, I think, all the way up to sometime in 2000. And to have the reach that you have, we were coming in this morning and it says you have somewhere between 15 and 20 million list, daily listeners. 
Um, and the only guy I could go back to is when I think of the awareness was you, Walter Winchell, Walter Cronkite. Was it Walter Winchell? Yes. Well, it was. Yeah, Walter Walter Winchell. And uh, yeah, and and Cron and Walter Cronkite. Yeah. Now, well, folks don't know them, but that, as far as reach and brand awareness, is. Uh, who you are is well, my, my father i know you got advice from your father my father used yes. to tell me don't go into radio he goes the odds of you getting on, on the radio are so, you, you have a better chance being in the major leagues that, you know when, I, when he put it like that i went this is crazy it's crazy you know you know you know you know what else is crazy too like one of the things i came away from this uh, documentary and by the way good for you doing a documentary Sometimes I don't trust people, you know. I know you're the same way. Yes. When someone says, let's do a Reggie Jackson documentary and we want to interview you about it, first thing I say is, I better have control of this thing because they could end up making this thing nutty. Um, they, you you took a leap of faith with this documentary. Yes. You I did not have ultimate control. That's right. Which is probably why it's good. You know what I mean? Um, I, 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 I won't agree um i didn't i did lose control and it broke my heart um i had a couple of people that i desperately wanted in um the guy by the name of rick hendrick um who owns the nascar team and is the largest private automobile dealer in the country with 138 stores i sit on his board and he has been enormously supportive for me in making change with diversity participation and inclusion and i desperately wanted him in for 30 seconds um and, the and they other, said no to reggie jackson they go reggie no we're not putting this guy in yes and, wow and then <laughs> the other situation was um and i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up uh, dr j and Eddie Murphy for you because they went to high school with you. But yeah, the, Julius uh, Irving and uh, Eddie I, Murphy went I to Roosevelt. I was with Julius this morning. He's a good buddy of yours. Uh. He, he, yeah, he came into the documentary last night. But um, Franco Harris, um, he had an ablation with with his for heart. AFib. Yes, yeah. and he had one. Um, about eight, nine years ago, and he had one a few months ago in August. And on he was number was being retired with the Steelers. And they only have three retired numbers. And I want to say Ernie Stautner and Joe Green. Um, and it was going to be Franco Harris. And we talked on Tuesday night. I was going back there. It was going to be one on Saturday when they were then we're going to be outside. And I said, where where can I stay? He says, I got people in my house. And he said, you can stay here. I said, well, give me a room. We talked for about 30 or 40 minutes. And about four or five hours later, his son called me. And he said, Reggie, um, his son, Franco, passed. I hmm. said, what? He said, it was in the easy chair. And, and, and dad passed. I didn't know what to do. Um, stayed up all night for a couple nights, et cetera, et cetera, and went back to the funeral and all the stuff. But um, 
I wanted to get him in my documentary of just him and I sharing time, walking down the hallway for 25 seconds. And I right. couldn't get him in. And it just broke my heart. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I appreciate the fact that I've watched it twice. Uh, it's a little painful for me to watch it, so I probably won't watch it again. But I've heard tremendous reviews about it. I was with the director last night, and the guy that did the movie, I knew him for 40 years. And uh, it just kind of got haywire, if you will. Um, and the biggest reason I stayed with it is because I didn't want Amazon to pay their money or whoever paid for it and me not help them get their money back. Yeah. A couple of the other people that were involved in the production, I didn't really want to be part of them. Um, And then I refused to sign a contract to to go on the tour, this media tour, um, because I didn't like the contract I, you know it's get away from that who didn't you want to do uh, business with like who didn't you want to be in the uh, documentary with is there someone in the documentary you don't you don't think should have been in there no 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 it, it okay. just i wanted things in it of people that were important to me that helped me become who i am well you talk about you pain know. i watched this thing and i understood your pain for the first time like I, you know, I was a fan of yours, and I, I know obviously when you were a Yankee, and I, I, you know, and you're an amazing player and all, but and and you know, I guess in the media they always painted you as the angry guy, disgruntled, all this horseshit. But then I realized when I saw the documentary, real pain in your life, and you know, it, it, going back to and and you didn't dwell on it, and and I know this too from your book. That you're, you know, you, I think you suffered the greatest pain as a child that anyone can suffer. You suffered real trauma. I'm talking about the, at the point where your parents divorced and your mother went with uh, three of the kids, went off with them and did not take you with her. She left you with your father and the two stepchildren. Uh, no, no. Um, no. Do yeah. I have that wrong? No, the um, half brother and sister half-brother and sister. I, I don't know if that's called step or not. but No, yeah, I'm wrong. Um, I'm wrong. Yeah, they, and, and, and those uh, interjection, those two are so dear to me because one's 84, the other one's 87, and they're still alive, and we talk once a week. But <laughs> when your mother leaves you at that age, essentially, and this is not disparaging your father, but it, you become an orphan in a sense. Every boy needs his mother. Every boy needs his mother. And the question is, you sit there and go, why would my mother not take me with her? Why would she take the other three and not me? And I imagine, I don't know if you've ever done therapy or anything, but I would imagine you need to get to the bottom of that question. And I, it's, it's, a, it's a really troubling thing. Um, Howard, I, I, I hear you. I, I feel you. More clear than I hear you, if that makes sense. You understand. Um, My mother and my dad, I thought, did a tremendous job of splitting the kids and raising three children themselves. 
certainly the mom's love and how it's displayed is much different than the dad. The dad is gonna on the hard side of life and right. the mom is on the soft side of life and that's why we need both. Um, however, uh, I remember spending time with my mom. I remember when I signed my contract, I sent her money. And when I got to the big leagues, I was 20 or 21 years old. And we were going to Baltimore where my mother lived. And she was a grade eight on the government services employee. And I said, Mom, I'm coming to town. Do you need tickets? And... I wanted my mother to be able to say, my son is here, and does anyone want to go to the game with me? She brought six people. I said, make sure you meet me in the hallway when the play where the players come out. I'll leave hmm. your name. And I wanted my mom to be Reggie Jackson's mom. But and there were years where you would not even use the word mom. You said, you know, I, I didn't call her mom. I didn't have a mom. And that's, I don't know, I felt that pain for you. I hear you. You know, and I understand it. And we all have ways of dealing with it. But it it just leads to an inner anger and question. I remember the last time I was with you, it was a long time ago. But, you know, I said, did you ever confront your mother? Did you ever say, why did you leave me? Not the other one. Why me? Why me? And you said, as courageous as you've been in your career, and you have been, that's the question you couldn't ask her. Right? Uh, never could. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I think that she did what she, you know, needed to do and what she had to do. And I admire her raising the three, the other three. And I admire the fact that my dad raised the three. And I left it that way. And I treated them both with the honor of being wonderful parents. Um, and I, I, both my parents came to the Hall of Fame. Uh, my mom was... Uh, and she had had an, a stroke, and she had aphasia. So one side was paralyzed, and she lost the ability to speech. And so I chartered two Gulfstream 4s. Um, and I'll never forget, I'd done a deal with Travelers Insurance, and they gave me one of the planes, and the guy that uh, re redid the, or did the candy bar gave me the other one. <laughs> And I sent one to pick up my dad, and I remember carrying my mother on the plane up the stairs and bringing her to the Hall of Fame, and not both parents were there, and I was honored and blessed. Wow, that's powerful. And, and did she ever have that moment where she just turned to you and said, son, I'm sorry, I couldn't be with you when you were, you know, no. you're carrying your mother up a plane. No, no, say uh, no. Uh, and uh, at the, at that time, uh, Howard, she couldn't talk. Right. You know, but, right. you know, I could see the love there. The love was there from me to her and her to me. And um, that was enough for me. Because I think you particularly need a mother because the amount of racism, and this is what's pointed out in the documentary, it's just mind-blowing. It's a good reminder of the difficulties not too long ago in our history how shitty things were for a young Reggie Jackson. I was particularly moved by the fact that, A, you grew up in a white, mostly white community. Jewish. Which, do white, you, Jewish, Jewish white community. Do you, do you think that was a mistake on your parents' part, too? Because it's to be the outsider. And I know from this. I grew up in a black community. I almost had the opposite experience of you. To be the outsider is very difficult. 
to grow up, grow up uh, around uh, all black people, for me, all I wanted to do was be black. So my life would be easy. Mm-hmm. And for you, I'm sure it was like, oh, my God, this being black is a pain in my ass. I, I, I've got problems. Um, I, I, I would respond to you by saying, uh, you know, most of my friends were white. And that made a problem for me and my white friends because the parents did not want them to associate with me. That pain is unbelievable. And, and the worst thing that ever happened to me when I was a kid, I was about 11 or 12 years old, and I was riding my buddy's bicycle, Ronnie Newland, home because it was dusk getting dark and he said take my bike reggie get it tomorrow and i was i was riding home his stepdad was coming up the street in a 57 chevrolet yellow and white with a continental kit on the back and he saw me riding the bike and he pointed to me to stop and pulled over and told me to get off the bike and walk it back to the house mm. And it was it was about two miles away from, well, you know, he lived about two miles away from me, and I had I was halfway home, and uh, it just I never forgot that. Um, Did you have any adult in your life at that point as a young man? How old are you? Twelve. Uh, at that 12. point, yeah, eleven, 12. 11, 12, Yeah. Did you have anyone you could? Could you go home and say to your father, "I just went through something horrible." A uh, white man says, get off the bike and turn it to the house because cause I'm a black man. You know, I mean, is there anyone where you just swallow it and then live with that shit? Um, I, I did more swallowing of it and remember tears coming out of my eyes on the way home. Uh, and, but when I got home, I wasn't crying and my dad asked if anything happened or what went on today, what'd you do? And I did tell him the story. And so I can remember a hug uh, from him. Wow! Um, but 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 that's all. That, that's all I can I can remember. Don't you think what that does to you as a human being for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live? There, there's there's times now, um, Howard, and and I can tell you in the last few days, um, you know, as a black man, I'm in environments at times and i see black people and i'm i'm so excited when i do see black people um i want to say i met a gentleman last night who was in charge of hiring personnel and he was executive vice president i think at abc and i was very excited to meet him and honored and i told him such and it, it, he was overwhelmed um, I have been in environments, um, Howard, at the same time, where black people that are d- dark, okay, they feel more prejudice, and I can feel it. Right. Um, and so, I mean, this is maybe it's surprising for people, but I'm very sensitive to blacks in public places. And I do my best. I'm recognized most of the time. And I will do my best to reach out and, and let them know I'm with them and acknowledge them. That That's very important to me. Yeah, that's a lot of people don't know that. I only know it from where I grew up. The, uh, yes. That if you were lighter skinned, <clears throat> that's right. you were more valuable. 
you were considered uh, more better accepted. than more accepted. More That's accepted. Right. That's right. And better there was than. a lot of jealousy among black people That's right. for someone who was light skinned. They called you high yellow. Right. And it doesn't it, it, it screws with your head even more because you're yes. like, I'm getting this from the white world. Yes. And now I'm getting it from the black world. Yes. Like, where do I belong and who's yes. not going to be jealous? Yes. yes. Oh. When when I was a kid, I I uh, I gravitated toward whites, but Jews. Because I honestly felt that they understood the oppression and understood the, the negativity from the white man. Yep. Um, and so whether it was Michael Frankel or Howard Katz or Franny Scheidman or uh, Eileen, uh, Ellen Stillman or Lynn Goldberg or Alan Trackenberg or Alan Charn. I mean, those guys, Andy Cohen, Andy Sullivan, those those guys uh, were easier for me to be around. I get that because I know in my own life. No matter how good things might be going, I might walk in a room and I'm all successful and everything. And I go, everyone's looking at me and saying he doesn't deserve it. Look at him. He's not human. I always feel that every day of my fucking life. Wow. Wow. It's awful. It's awful. Um, you, and, you, you know, let, let, let me say this to you. Um, you know, since f f from whence or from where you have come, um... I would probably say to you, I wouldn't probably say, but this interview is, I've never looked forward to an interview more than this one. Because I knew, someone said, what are you going to talk about with Howard? Um, wh wh what do you think he's going to do? Wh wh what do you think he's going to, I said, I don't know, but I know that the depths of his questions and the depth of our conversation will be way more than anyone else could do. And I, I, I've been around you once, but I know you enough to understand your social understanding, your philosophy of life, um, when you want to be real the depths that you can go because I can feel you more than interpret your words. My interpretation of you is I can get to your heart and I have enormous respect for your, your intelligence. Well, right now I feel sad for both of us because, you know, when I, when I, one of the stories about your life that sticks with me is because you're in a white community I guess in high school you dated a white girl and your friend had to go pick her up in a right. car. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, and, I, and I think of that, that's what I'm talking about. Those kinds of experiences lead you to feel the rest of your life like you're less than. And it's a very painful thing to confront. You start to believe that you're not good enough, that people who look at you are looking at you sideways. And you start to, it, it just eats away at you. You gotta get some white kid to go pick up your girlfriend in a car. I mean, the humiliation is just, there's no end to it. And then you get to the major leagues and you're fucking great and you're making 20 grand a year because Charlie Finley looks at you and you're the black guy 
and and then you're on the road when you're in the minors and your teammates have to sneak into their rooms and all this nonsense it's just i can't imagine how you feel inside after going through that that's why i say your accomplishment is tenfold what any other player ever accomplished um <clears throat> i honestly think i honestly think it made me stronger it made me so much more sensitive and aware of feelings. Um, I, I can be in a room with 100 people or 50 or 300 and feel a racist if they're on the other side of the room. Uh, I can feel you if I don't, if I should not, if I should trust you or not. Um, you know, as you speak, uh, I, I can feel your depth of, of, you know what's down in your heart and what's in your stomach as you as you speak. Um, I I don't. I'm aware of that. What you're saying about my understanding or what I felt socially, but it it if it impacts me at all, and it I'm gonna. You're right. It does, but it drives me, um, which leads me to. If I can do something for the underserved community that I'm from, the community of color, um, whether it's for um, the Jews that feel some of the same stuff that I do at times, whether it's a beautiful woman that's undressed with a man's eyes and she's not thought about of what's in her heart or what's in her mind, she just, and women feel that. Just like I would feel my color or you would feel the fact that you're an unwanted person being around because you're Jewish. Um, that drives me. So if I can help underserved communities with my foundation or with my actions, with my conversations as this you and I are having now, this is a powerful way to help people through life. The it, how you're expressing what you feel about me and how I'm responding to it is tremendous for people. Yeah, well, I mean, the pain, I mean, you know, it's all the, it's all these stories compiled. You know, you get hit in the head by a uh, by a ball in the minor leagues and the hospital in Idaho <laughs> won't let you in because you're black. You deal with that shit, man. And I mean, that stays with you the rest of your life. And if, it does. And if you come off to everyone as angry... Cares that explains it all. Yeah, I'd be angry. That, that, I'd that, be angry. That, that's true. It's yeah. my attitude with arrogance when I was younger, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. Um, when I was physically and um, ability wise on top. Um, if you if you didn't treat me as an equal, I was. I couldn't wait to tell you. Right. Um, I couldn't wait because I could. And Charlie Finley was one of those guys, the owner of the Oakland A's. You were like a dynamo. You were the man. And and yet, pay-wise, what, 20, I think it said in the documentary, $20,000 a year was your pay, and you wanted $50,000 a year. Uh, I went from 7000 to ten. To sixteen, uh, and those were because the r minimum salaries went up. <laughs> to, to, 
two. They <laughs> yeah, went from seven right. to ten, so I got a right. raise to ten. They went from ten to sixteen, um, and then I, I hit uh, thirty home runs, and then I went to twenty thousand. Then the next year I hit forty forty seven, and oh, went oh, to forty seven thousand. But what a strange business! You know, you think of any corporation in America. You got a guy who hits home runs every day, whether he's a salesman and whatever he is. You reward that guy. You don't want to lose him. Baseball is one. I mean, okay, things have changed somewhat, but I still see it in football with these salary caps and it's all nonsense. And you would always use the analogy of, hey, I'm I'm not working on a plantation here and uh, I'm achieving. I'm doing well. What kind of system is this? I'm not going to be rewarded. I mean, you guys are entertainers and athletes. What other entertainment business doesn't the the top echelon not get paid well? And it has to drive you again crazy. More of the same. Um, The way things have changed, I would say I certainly know that I was part of the free agent. um, You were part of the first free agency. I was part of the free agency that went on. Uh, Marvin Miller had started it. And then Kurt Flood needs to be recognized. Kurt Flood was then... um, cut out of baseball uh he it drove him to drink uh he wound up passing away um but he got cut out of the herd because he was the first guy to 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 challenge the reserve clause he andy messersmith and dave mcnally and they uh, made an example of those guys they said that's that's, right. that's it that is that is right uh, Dave McNally retired. Andy Messersmith did uh, get another couple of contracts, but Andy Messersmith is white. Kurt Flood was black. He's from right. Oakland, and it drove him to drink. And he, in a few years, he was he passed away. Ugh, because he had hit the majors, he had beaten the odds in life, and what did he do? He asked for the system to be fair. That's right. And those are the guys. I mean, it's awful. I mean, uh, okay. Steinbrenner, we got to say, and you pointed out in the documentary, smart guy at least. He said, Reggie Jackson's a free agent. This guy can hit the ball. I'm signing this guy. I'll pay him a $3 million contract. As long as uh, I can get him, I'm going to do it. Thank God for that guy, really. Uh, Steinbrenner, we have to see as a hero, maybe? One thing I'll say about George is here's a guy who, I want to say, won seven World Series um, and so he should be in the Hall of Fame for sure. I don't know who holds him out. Um, uh, Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know what for, but he's in. Um, you're, 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 a, you're annoyed with Bud Selig. Yes. You feel that he should have more empathy. Um, I never understood. I was high bidder for the Oakland A's by $25 million. There's a letter here. I I don't know if anybody sent it to you or something, but there's a letter in writing um, where I was high bidder. I offered $25 million more than any bid. Well, let me explain to people what Reggie's talking about here. Reggie Jackson wanted to be an owner of a baseball team. As you know, that's a you know, that's a club they don't let black men into. And here's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. So he put together a what they call a consortium of people to buy a team. Wasn't looking for a handout. He wasn't looking to bid less. 
One of those uh, was um, the guy who uh, owns Microsoft. Uh, Bill, Bill Gates King. was Gates. part of your yeah. team. How the hell could Bill Gates, one of the wealthiest men on the planet, not win a baseball team? Something. You had Bill Gates. You could pay whatever. As you point out, you were willing to pay 25, what, million more than anyone yeah. else? In, in writing, I sent a letter to uh, Ken Hoffman, who owned the A's, um, that I'm willing to pay 25 million more than any bid that you get. And Bid said, and what's his name? Um, a Bud said to me, he said, Reggie, stay with me. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, guide you through. I'll get this done for you. Uh, don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden it came out that the A's were sold to a guy by the name of Lou Wolf. Mm hmm. And Bud Seeley's college buddy. Oy. Ugh. You must have been destroyed. It broke my heart. I was I went into depression for about six months. What is the depths of depression for Reggie Jackson? You say you were depressed. Oh, um, you're not. I was listening to the radio in Newport Beach after grabbing a cup of coffee. And the guy on the radio says, Do you sleep in, not want to get up, um, feel tired all the time? And I said, that's me. You're depressed. And I said, well, I need to get out of this. And the very next day, you know, I was trying to get myself on the rebound. But I was depressed for about six months. I laid around. Do you ever, ask, do you, do you ever ask for help in those situations? Or are you one of these stoic guys? I can get myself uh, out. Howard, I didn't, even know, I didn't know what I had. Right. I just figured I was tired every day. So what's wrong with me? I'm tired. Hell, I was 52. But, you know, it certainly happened to me. I, I didn't recognize that I had a sickness of being depressed, but I got you know, and I got myself out of it. But there's no difference between having to give up that bicycle and have this when you're 12 years old because the white dad doesn't want you, the black guy, on his son's bike. There's no difference between that and Bud uh, Bud's buddy getting uh, the right. the team. There's right. no difference. Right. Right, right. It's Bud, the same Bud, shit over and over. Bud says to me, he says, well, you know, Reggie, um, you know, maybe, let me see. You know, it, it, you should have gotten the team. You, it, you, you should have gotten in there. We, we'd have been better off if, if you'd have been. But, you know, back in those days, uh, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 50, 60 years ago, you know, that's just some of the things that happened, and it's, uh, it's that's the way it was, and uh, ownership, and I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, that's just the way it was then. And You think the owners got together and um, kind of have a discussion and say, eh, we don't know, Reggie's a troublemaker, what do we need him at the I, meetings for? I absolutely believe that. Um, and I absolutely believe that, um, Bud, Bud was the guy involved that denied me from getting the team. And it's, it's what happened. I'll it's, finish your thought. It's, it's known. I had a hundred, a 100 page lawsuit drawn up by David Boys. Um, and another group, at, uh, Joseph Alioto out of San Francisco. Uh, I still have the deck. It's about three, four inches thick. And there's six inches of 
text message and text messages and all that kind of stuff that went back and forth. Um, I never filed it. Why um, not? I got scared away by some people in baseball. They said, Reggie, the first thing you'll have to do is resign from baseball, from the Yankees. Uh, you know, and you probably won't get hired again. And you probably won't this and probably won't that. And so I got scared away. Because um, it would have killed you not to be a part of baseball. You I, love it. And I didn't know enough about the legal system, you know, et cetera. But I should have sued. Um, I didn't. Um, and, and it's obviously still in my craw. Uh, I get a chance to talk about it now. I do have backup, you know, for it. You know, there, there, I've got a letter that is in writing dated December of 2002 or three, when I made the offer. And as I said, after that, I put a group together with Bill Gates, Paul Allen, and a guy named John McCaw. Um, I could have bought the National League. <laughs> right. That's my point. I mean, when it comes down to whether or not you got the money, you had the money. It has to be right. something else. You're not yeah. part of the good old boys club. That's right. That's right. Unbelievable. Do you think you could ever go to guys like Selig and say, just, just tell me what happened? I guess you, you can't. I did. Because, isn't it? I did. I did. And he, and and he I, said it. I did. I have the footage. Um <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that I kind of got fouled up with is that that footage got taken out of the dock. Why? Mm. Uh, I flew to New York in January, and the document, the documentary had to be done on like January the eighth or ninth or something like that. And um, I had a meeting with Rob, Ma, uh, Rob Manfred, on uh, about. Uh, getting connected to the commissioner's office, um, and Rob and I discussed about uh, participating in the commissioner's office to see things through my lens that he thought would be helpful to him. And so um, we haven't gotten back together. We're supposed to connect, and so if if he does invite me to participate and um, do talk to him about how I see things through my lens when it comes to minorities and inclusion and diversity. Um, I certainly am a willing participant, but I I haven't had that meeting with him. It's, and I, as I said, I was here a couple of months ago, um, and the guy that I've associated with really to participate with it is uh, uh, David Boys. Um, David is, we're, we're friends for about 45 years. Um, and it's not so much that I have a, I don't have a legal action. I'm not interested in legally attacking the league, but, um, uh, boys is a friend and, um, he understands change and he's got a great mind. And so for me to bounce things off and figure the path, the best path, uh, to make things work, um, I do a lot of consulting with him. Yeah, I so understand in the documentary when you talk about my life off the field is the place where I get nervous or I'm out of control or I got to put up with the racism. But when I get on the field, that's something I can control. Right. All of a sudden, that made a lot of sense to me <laughs> in the documentary. Yeah, and on the field, it's easy. Look There's at rules. You, look at you here. Look at you right. here on the radio. It's the only place it's in control is on the radio for me. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I love the way you put that in the documentary. But are you friends mostly with 
uh, ex-professional athletes or guys in the game? I mean, when you have close personal friends, I, I don't know if you're a guy who can easily make real friends, you know, because I'm sure you don't trust everyone. But um, are, are most most of these guys athletes? Um, Dr. J is like a brother to me. I left him this morning, and he told me to specifically tell you... Is there you, were you guys the guys the Moorheads or the Moorays or Rough Riders? Rough Riders, right. right? He said, "Tell him." He said, "Tell him." One of the Rough Riders said, "Hello." Oh, that's and great. It was you, him, and I think Eddie Mur Mur Eddie Murphy. Yes, mm -hmm. went to the same school, and so he said, "Say a special hello to you that you guys were friends." Um, but Howard, uh, some of the guys. Um, whether it's Mike Singletary or Franco Harris or, uh, Dr. J, Willie Randolph, uh, Ronnie Guidry, Joe Rudy, they're like brothers to me. Sal Bando, he, he passed, but I, I went to his house in Milwaukee. And How hard is it losing these guys now you get it, up It's extremely age. painful. Um, yeah. I learned so much from Henry Aaron and Bobby Gibson, uh, Frank Robinson and Bill Russell and those guys that you I, love those guys. I, I love, admire, um, is the same for me, whether Sandy Koufax calls me or whether Gibson calls me or Russell, you, you, you I stumble over myself to get to the phone and return the call. Because they were such icons um, and guys that played and and showed you how the game should be played. Um, I saw the, you know, Henry Aaron to me the last time we spoke with the video that is on my documentary. He said, Reggie, I don't know whether now this is supposed to be Bud Seeley's best friend. I don't I believe that. Our black skin was a curse against us in baseball. Absolutely. I mean, wow. For him that. to say yeah. that? Yeah. It, it's just sh shocking to me. Um, I remember uh, some of the... I got close to Sandy Koufax because I wore an armband in 1962. I wore a black band with Mike Epstein, who was on the A's, and right. Kenny Holtzman, who was on the A's. Um, you know, and so I saw... Um, uh, anti-Semitism against the Jews when I was playing and, and with different managers. Um, and so that was painful and sickening. Uh, I could hear, uh, Jew jokes about Kenny Holtzman. And I used to say, I say to myself, I'm standing at the back rack. I wonder mm -hmm. if they see me. Right. You're talking about Jew jokes with Coltsman throwing on the mound, and I'm here. Are you that unaware or ignorant that I feel you? But it it went on. Do you live alone now? Are you in a relationship with someone? Where where, where are you at personally? Do you uh, have? A I'm in a relationship with a lady that I've known for thirty some years. Um, and she's a tremendous friend. Um, and, uh, um, so I love the, I love the life, uh, spending life or spending time with her. You, no pressure to get married? You, uh, anti-marriage? 
No, I'm not anti-marriage. No. Just not for you. Um, I, I, I probably will get married. Is it hard for you? There's an exclusive. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. And, uh, you haven't popped the question, though, yet. No. Was it hard for you to to um, be with women in terms of trust? I'm talking about not just sex, but I mean a real relationship because of your mother, because of the shit you went through in your life. It's hard to trust anybody. Was it hard for you to open your heart to someone? Um, It wasn't hard for me to open my heart, but it was hard for me to be loyal as a man. I, I, I cheated a lot. Because, uh, do you think, because maybe it's a form of like, I never got mine no, in life. I, I, won't, I, I won't blame it on any excuse. I was just, I just cheated. I, I, I saw a pretty girl and I tried to sleep with her. And when you're an athlete, on your level especially, when they're naming candy bars after you and everything, you can pretty much, nah, I'm not saying you can have every woman on the yeah, planet, uh, but I, uh, there's a lot of women who are. I, I uh, won't blame it on that either. I just, I just, I just won't blame it on that. I had access, and and I took advantage of it, and I I, I missed a couple of wonderful ladies in my life, and it was my fault. Uh, in other had, words, looking back on your life now, yes, when you're older, more mature, you go, "What the hell was I thinking?" Like, man, there was some great women there. I, I just really didn't. Cared. I did. I didn't get it. Um, I have a wonderful daughter, um, it, you know, and I wasn't married, you know, when, when I had her, but what an unbelievable experience. And she's given me two grandchildren, two boys, and wanted to put one of the kids, the poor son of a gun, he looks just like me. <laughs> yeah, that ain't big, bad. Big round face, and uh, you know. So, but I missed. I, I would have loved to have had four or five kids, maybe six or whatever. You know, because one of the they're things, just great. One of the things that gets me in this documentary: every time the chips are down, whether you're like sort of in a feud with Billy Martin or Thurman Munson when you're on the Yankees. Or Charlie Finley isn't playing you and they're not even, you know, they're not paying you. It's a, a salary dispute. And you get up to bat and there's the, the footage of you smacking a fucking home run right over the wall. And I get the chills. It's so effective. Be and then even as you cross home plate, you give kind of the, not the bird, but the oh, fuck I, you to I, Charlie I, Finley. I did do that. Yeah, did which that. was ballsy back then because God forbid you say... You know, to the master, uh, fuck you. That's right. You know, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But you did it. You know, and you had you had said uh, a little bit earlier about friends, and um, <clears throat> I've got a couple of guys in my life. This guy Jim Crane is honest, fair, thoughtful, diversity conscious, um, generous. Um, and, and self-made, uh, self-made wealth. I saw his house in St. Louis. We went to Ferguson. Right. His house is still there and it's 900 square feet. And this guy here is so, you know, I asked him, do, 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 do you mind if I mention your name and blah, blah, blah. And he says, Reggie, I, I, I'm not asking you to mention my name for 
anything but I, because I do what I feel is right. No need to mention me. Um, there's another guy by the name of Randy Buller who has a company here called the Parts Authority out in Long Island is the headquarters. He's in Arizona now. But what a Jewish guy. What, what a wonderful person friend. So um, it's important to you as it is to me. It's really something special about a guy who can make it on his own. When you meet some trust fund kid, or even if you talk about Steinbrenner, who, you know, he came from a wealthy family, you somehow admire the guy who makes it on his own. Oh, boy. There's some there's depth there, right? Yes. That's who that guy Absolutely. Is. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, the, the, these guys, the, the, the three of them, they're all from nothing. And, you know, billionaire wealth. And just super people. Um, right. You, you know, and it's so comfortable that I can I I feel like I use these guys as a cabinet to for me to do because I I'm so much out in the open and so vulnerable and need to make decisions that get seen um, I have a cadre of guys about five or six one of the guys is 87 his name is uh, Bill Bertuccio and he worked with Marvin Miller to form the Steelworkers Union and worked with Jimmy Hoffa. Wow. To, well, these guys are <laughs> these guys are big guys. Did you ever get to the bottom of um like the two guys I'm thinking of on the Yankees and you and you bring this up in the documentary. Billy Martin, your coach, and uh and and uh, Thurman Munson, the great catcher, guy yes. tragically. Yes. yes. And, and 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 there was a real rub there, but you know, it, the documentary at least made me feel that Billy Martin was one of these guys that just wanted to put people in their place. You know, like, like, uh, hey, you're the player, I'm the coach, and you've got a reputation of speaking your mind. I'm going to tame you, boy. You know, that kind of thing. That's the impression the documentary gave me. Is that your impression? The, that's a very good read. That is a true read, and as as you interpret it and put it to put it to a narrative, um, that's who Billy was. Now, along with that, um, he had a he didn't he had a um, he had an alcohol habit, mean streak, which gave him a mean streak. He he just re, he, part, the sad thing about it is he wasn't big enough to have a mean streak. He's only about one hundred and sixty. So but isn't it crazy? You know, you think about today. All you want to do is build your players up. You want them feeling so good and cocky that when they hit that ball, man, or they get up at bat, they feel like they're the most valuable person on the planet. That's right. And here's a guy. He's so so. I guess he was a shitty coach in the sense that. He belittled people, tried to manipulate people through his powerful position, and you're helpless in a way because he's the boss, you know. And that's true. That's true. In 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 some of the things that I see, people that are great coaches like Dusty Baker, um, and what I try to do is mimic some of the the, the guys that I played for, whether it be Earl Weaver. 
or whether it be Johnny McNamara, or whether it be Dick Hauser with the Yankees, Gene Michael, um, as as Dusty does, they Tommy Lasorda, they build people up. Give them their dignity. Yes. Is that how you yeah, put absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> and as a guy who went through a lot of racism, particularly in baseball, I mean, stuff where you can't get in the hotel room to, for, for a game, you need your dignity. You need to, you, the coach has got to give it to you. You absolutely do. Um, the nicest thing that happened to me in a minor league storing all the racial stuff and i went to birmingham when they had burned down the churches with the four little girls in it and didn't really get the Klansmen until in the 2000s that was in and that happened in 1964 um our our manager johnny mcnamara would go in with a player or two uh because one time we went to knoxville and they said the nigger can't stay in here Y'all got the y'all got to put him out, and John McNamara grabbed the team, and we all went went and said, "Okay." And he stood on the bus. He said, "We're going to go find a place until we can find a place where Reggie can stay, because we're not going to leave him behind." Oh God! And um, you know the the Dave Duncan's, who was our catcher, then became a pitching coach for the A's and the Cardinals. But Joe Rudy, Sal Bando, who you all know, those guys supported me so much um, that you know I I was indebted to them as a human being at the age of tw- nineteen and twenty. And look at what you have to be indebted <clears throat> for. That's what I was talking about. Like if you walk into the room and you're being celebrated. You can't get that thought out of your uh, out your mind. I was the I was the guy. They said, "Get that guy out of here. He can't stay in my hotel." You feel like you feel like that never really goes away. Maybe it's better. It's hidden. But we we went from we went from Waycross, Georgia, where we had spring training, and I never signed my contract because I was going to play in Birmingham. I didn't want to play in Birmingham. You must have been and scared. We went down. I was scared. We we yeah. went to the. Charlie, we went to a country club there in Birmingham, and they, they we got ready to sit down, and they said, he can't eat in here. Mm. The boy there can't eat here. What y'all doing? And Charlie Femi stood up and said, all right, let's go downtown. We're going to go to the diner. We're going to go to the diner and eat. And we got up to start leaving, and they said, Oh, we're sorry. You know, they walked over to him, et cetera. And after four or five minutes, we sat back down and then I ate there. But they weren't afraid. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and yeah, no, not afraid. And also, I'd be afraid to eat that food. I'll tell you that. I mean, with those yeah. kind of feelings uh, go. going around. Oh, yeah. it's just unbelievable. Did you, again, in the documentary, this thing you had with Thurman Munson, you know, there was. It was bad. It, we, you guys are teammates, and yet you're at each other's throats. To, you know all this kind of stuff. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on. After all, who's a better cleanup hitter, batting fourth, than you? And even on the Yankees, again, they're trying to keep you in your place. They don't let you bat fourth. It's like they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Crazy, right? You yeah. probably said this is crazy. I'm yeah. the, probably the best hitter on this team. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for going there. Um, Thurman Munson was a great guy. Uh, good family man and you know sadly got ahead of himself with flying a jet right. um, but it, to this day his wife is always gracious to me and always um, nice 
Um, so that's one of the people I would have liked to had in my documentary. It didn't work out. Um, it, as a matter of fact, I, I'm hoping that I can get some kind of a continuation to do another piece of this a couple years, you know, well, years now. But Reggie, what was his beef? Was he jealous of you? Um, uh, I, I, I got lippy, uh, made a comment. Um, that they turned into the straw that stirs the drink. Um, and then something was attributed to me that I did not say that Thurman could only straw, draw, stir it badly. Right. And you never said that. Absolutely not. But I did come up with, I didn't come up with this, the straw that stirred the drink because a guy kept saying they had lost four in a row to Cincinnati. And he said, uh, Reggie, now, so what's your role here? And I said, well, you know, I don't, I think I'm the last piece that, that they need. You know, Thurman Munson told George, go sign the big guy in Oakland. Don't, don't sign Joe Rudy. Don't sign Bert Campanaris. That's who Billy Martin wanted. Go get the big guy in Oakland if you want to make change. And so through Thurman, George would, you know, committed or, um, uh, got reinf- reinforced in his thought process of signing me. Uh, so he was part of the reason I came here as part of the reason I, part of me coming here, getting a raise. George was supposed to add to Thurman's money mm. and take him to the same level. Um, you know, and George and Thurman and I had a meeting and I told him what I was making. George didn't make the move. Thurman got upset. So that was part of it. Uh, but this comment of me saying coming up, I didn't come up with the comment of straw stirs a drink. The guy, I want to say his name was Roger Ward or Randy Ward. But um, he suggested, he said, so you were like the straw that stirs a drink. You'll be like the, you know, because I said, I'll be the last piece. I'm the final ingredient. Um, and I said, yeah, okay, if you want to say straw that stirs a drink, fine. And right. when but I then said, they got, it, they got oh attributed boy. to you that yes. you said, I stirred the drink well and Thurman doesn't. That's right. You know, something, yeah, that, it's crazy. That's right. that's right. So did you ever go to Thurman Munson and say, yes. I love you. Uh, you helped me get on the Yankees. Yes. Uh, and what happened? Yes. Uh, George wanted a meeting, and that meeting took place in Detroit and also took place in a sauna in, the sauna in New York. And the guy that uh, was involved in that meeting was a guy named Ray Negron, who's still around, and Fran Healy, who is still around. As a, in a Ray- sauna. The meeting. Yeah, in a sauna. And then we also met in, in a club in Detroit. I want to, I forget the name of it, but, uh, we would go there, but we made our peace. Then oh. the article came out. Oh, no. Uh. Yes. And, and, and then that, that destroyed the relationship. And I said, uh, I was misquoted and Thurman's, I was in, the, I, we were in a sauna and Thurman said, 3,000 fucking words. You were misquoted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, and uh, so that's that, that, uh, you know, from there, it was just like a cold war for a while until really we got together and um, I made a few trips with him on his airplane and, you know. We, oh, no we, kidding. Yes. Yeah. We, he flew and you yep, were on the plane yeah, with him? Yeah. We patched, oh, yeah. patched up our differences and uh, got back together and, you know, got together. And one is one of the first guys that 
I talked to in the on-deck circle because with the Yankees because when I was with the A's, Bando and Rudy and I hit around each other. I, I hit in the middle of those guys. And we, were to- we would talk in the on-deck circle when they were making a pitching change or something or something was going on. I'd say, how do you hit this guy that they're going to bring in or this or that? And they'd say, Reggie, I, I don't hit the guy that well. Well, Thurman and I took it to another level. Thurman would say, they're going to bring a lefty in from the bullpen to pitch to you. Uh, the guy on first or second base, he said, I'm going to get a base. Thurman would say, I'm going to get a base, hit the right field and drive him in. Or if I, and if I miss, I'm going to move him over for you. Are you comfortable hitting that guy? So our offensive attack took, went to that level when I was playing with Thurman. We, it started in Oakland, but Thurman was, had the best bat control of any player that I played with. It, in, unless maybe Rod Carew, toward the end of my career, I played with Rodney. You know but, what I was thinking? When I'm watching the documentary, so most mortals, regular folks, you get in a situation where, you know, you got to be clutch. You can save the game if you hit a home run. You know, it could be your big moment. But most, most mortals get up and they go, I'm nervous as hell. I'm going to choke here. You love that. There was no better feeling. I get, at least I get the impression than you being a bat and being the guy with all the pressure on him. I really feel that with you. I, I could narrow the situation down to me and the baseball. Not just me and the pitcher. I could take it to, to just me and the baseball. Um, and I needed to get the barrel. In the pay zone, this is what I would call it. I needed to get the barrel in the pay zone on time so that it looked, it, true, true story as I finish this out, so that it looked to the owner, the opposition in the other dugout, and my team that we had a chance and I was on time. And that's all I thought of when I was at home plate. If I could make a move with the bat, to get the barrel to the ball so that somebody would say, ooh, my man, my man is on time. My man is on time. And so that's what I was after when I was at home plate in a clutch situation. You think it's a vision thing? Like, in other words, you think you're, you, like, I don't know what your eyesight is, but like, do you think there's like a, almost a tunnel vision that you could zero in on that ball and forget everything else? On, you know, I, just everything. You're on it. I wow. had tunnel vision, tunnel vision and nothing else was there. I was going to be on time so that if I fouled it off, you would, you would be in the stands as a fan with your popcorn and say, my man is on time. We got wow. a shot. We got a you shot. Know what, you know what story I love about you the most? And this is, you know, some people have these kind of stories and nothing happens. But you were in Little League and you fucked up. You struck out or whatever it was. You missed a big game. You know, you didn't come through in the big game. And instead of like leaving the game and saying that's it, you walked home and and you were upset and you said to yourself, "I am gonna be in the major leagues one Where'd day." Where'd you get all this from? And, and you repeat it because I've lived your life. I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to tell you. I'm actually I'm a little man that lives in your head. No, you said that over and over again, like a mantra. I did. I and, did, and, and I get that. I said that to myself at five when I was, I'm going to be on the radio one day. Everyone thought I was nuts. There's something about that. I walked home. I had shower shoes on, 
in my sanitaries and my spikes and my glove, my glove on the bat and my spikes wrapped tied shoelaces like a like a kid does. Um, And my dad drove around the block watching, making sure I was okay. He because he knew I didn't want to ride with him, but he he stayed with me as he went around each block and I walked home about two miles. Um, and yeah, I'll never forget that. And that's true. I, I'm, I'm surprised that you knew that. Did you read it? it it's not in a documentary, yeah. is it? No, that's, that's from your book. <clears throat> okay. uh, you, 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 wa- you walked home and you were crying. Yes, you know, right. you took it that's seriously. Right. That's right. And, and a lot of people don't yeah. know this. You could have been a great football player. You, you, uh, I think you, didn't you go to college on a, a football scholarship? Arizona State. I played for a guy that even football players know now by the name of Frank Cush, who was a tough one of one of the tough old great coaches. And, um, I was a better football player at the time in, in when I was in high school and college. What'd you play? I was a tailback and a safety. Why did you switch? Were you kind of like, hey, I can have a longer career in baseball just knowing about injuries and no, stuff? No, um, at, at, I was 18, 19, and being 40 was like, man, I'm 19. You old. You, how old are you? 40? <laughs> yeah, you, you're like, like 30? You, you're old. Yeah. And so, um, for me, I had a ch- you could not leave college as a football player and go to the pros, but you could leave college as a baseball player, sign, get the money, help your family, and right. try to play baseball. And if so I smart. failed, I could go back and play football. That was so smart because you got what a ninety five thousand dollars signing bonus at the um, time, right? Right. Yep. Right around a hundred. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And you took the money and you. You helped your mom, you helped your dad, right. you helped everyone. That's very generous. I bought myself a brand new Pontiac. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they, don't even make Life- Pon- they don't even make Pontiac anymore. <laughs> life is good. <laughs> yeah, what a life. I mean, it's crazy. How's your health? 75, all kinds of stuff. I, I, I am very, very fortunate. Um, lucky. I've had some couple knee injuries. I ruptured a patella tendon in my right knee. Um, about five, six years ago at, at a Hyatt and, um, got hopefully some kind of a settlement will be there. I don't know. I think they're stretching the settlement out. They're, th- they're hoping I'll die first. What happened? You had an, you tripped on something? Or I slipped you... and slipped and fell on a, on a, on a nature walk area mm. where they had synthetic uh, railroad ties and yeah. they held water. It, it held water, and so um, so I slipped and fell out, and it was in the rain. And then a few months ago, six months, four or five months ago, at my buddy's house, uh, I to- told you one of my guys I, I rely on for understanding of life and making decisions, Randy Buller, the parts authority guy. I slipped and fell at his house, hmm. carrying too much luggage down the stairs. You know, I was playing Superman, and. Um, I was doing Isn't too, it frustrating? Doing too much. You're this guy who can hit the ball, you can do everything. And then you get older, you get in your 70s, you start to see it in your 60s. You go, Jesus, what happened to that ability? Because you yeah. think you still have it. You stay, yeah. Mentally, yeah. you still feel like a young man, right? You start you, losing your balance a little bit. You start yeah. stumbling a little more often. And they say most of the deaths for people over 70 happen from a fall. Mm. Yeah. Because... So, 
I notice sometimes I'll even like turn my head while I'm walking. My sense, my sense of balance isn't the same. I'm right in the sweet spot there with the seventy and the fall, so I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, I'm walking slower. <laughs> do, you, do you find yourself reading obituaries and going, hmm? No, no, no. Was only no. seventy. To, uh, I play that game. I mean, no. I play. What was the best part of? Fame? He was looks it, great, doesn't you he? You do look great. I wouldn't Reggie. have said seventy-five. No. Yeah. No. What What is the best part of fame? Is it hitting the ball? And having the fans go wild, is it the girls? Is it the money? Is it the access to all of these great people who are your friends? What What is fame and, 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 and what's the best part? The best part of fame is I'm able to get almost anyone to return my call. And if I want to do something in this country to make an impact and leave a mark that will add to the lives of as many of the underserved as I possibly can. I think that if I have a focus on our children to get a high school education and then go on and get a college education, um, if I can do that, if I can make comments about ownership in sports, um, chairman in corporations to give minorities and women, LBGTQ, um, handicapped people, give opportunity to the underserved. Let's see if we can get Mahogany Row. Let's see if we could get the executives to participate in diversity because as baseball is such a great game, if it gets done by we, not they or them, it needs to be more we so that we are collectively a more productive world and you see and the, you see how shallow i am reggie i thought it was the women you were gonna <laughs> say, but, uh, i mean uh, and do we do we have any feelings like uh, do you ever get in the prediction game who's going to win the world series this year or do you, do you have any feelings about any of that because uh, inevitably people want to know what you think um you know i'm i'm uh i'm an astro i'm an astro right. fan i'm a yankee fan i'm an aaron judge fan um, I, I, I am a, uh, a, a partisan Steinbrenner family guy, uh, because the dad, if it's not for the dad, I don't come to New York and I don't get the platform I have. And I'm not in baseball because at the time that he brought me in baseball in 1993 as special advisor to the owner, minorities were nowhere in baseball and i think that george probably hired me for spite to the other <laughs> to the yeah, other right. owners to screw with their head yeah but um yeah. you know i uh you know howie i can tell you howard i can tell you i'm grateful i'm thankful um and as i said you know when i wanted to go on and spread the news for my documentary my documentary and kind of be supportive of Amazon. I said, well, I'm, I'm going to call the guy I know. I think that can do more for me than anybody. And that's Howard Stern. And don't you call him. Right. Let me, let me call him.
No, I'm thrilled to have you yeah, here. Yeah, it's always so. such a great conversation. Uh, thank you for saying that. The uh, the pitch clock, too. What do you think? We like this? It's going to speed up the game of baseball? I feel bad for the oh, pitchers. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I do like it. Um, you like it. And, but I want to expand on it. Um, and I'll give you your predictions on, on who's going to win. Yeah, right. Um, I don't want to kick that to the curb. Um, I like the, the game needs to be speeded up. When, when it, and, and in all honesty, I mean, I, I, I hate this old school stuff and, and the new school's this. Um, here's what it is old school's good, new school's good. Just remember, your ass is always in school. Right. <laughs> no matter what you, you know, think. No matter yeah, what right. you think. Yeah, and right. so I think that speeding up to the game, it got to be boring. Guys fixing their gloves every time. You get, get in the batter's box and hit. Right. I, when I was in a batter's box, I didn't get out of the batter's box to adjust anything. Man, <laughs> get in the box and hit. Right. Bobby Gibson, Fergie Jenkins, Catfish Hunter, Kenny Holtzman, Jimmy Palmer, Seaver, all those guys that pitch a game in an hour and 50 minutes. By the blue. That, without, your... without a doubt. Right. They could yeah. do that. Three hours. Give me a break. That's yeah. horrible. Reggie. Come on, the prediction. Who is winning? Give me one team that will win this year. The All name. All of it? Everything. Well. Everything. We've lost our best player, the Astros, uh, for eight to ten weeks. Um, that's going to hurt us because he's a great leader and great player. Plays 155. Um, but we have enough pitching. We have the best pitching, I believe, in baseball. If not, then we're in the top two or three. And when you pitch, you don't need a lot of offense. You need defense and pitching. And with the pitching, we'll get to the end, which mm. means you will win 92 or 93 and be at the end. And if we get in the end, we're going to outpitch you. And we don't necessarily need to depend on our offense, although our offense is better this year um, because we have a Bray you we got from the White Sox. He'll drive in 100, he'll hit 30, um, and that's going to be ad for us. Um, so we'll be at the end. Um, I think the Yankees will be there. I don't know if they have enough pitching, um, and I think they have a lot of swing and missers. Um, but they're still the Yankees. Um, is, is, How will the Mets do, Reggie? Mets, are they, is Mets happen? success for me is going to depend on the two big guys in the rotation. Will they get? Will they get fifty starts out of them? Mm -hmm. Because I think they'll be on the DL somewhere. Ooh. They're both forty. Right, right, and right. So if they get fifty starts, you're going to be in postseason. And when you get pitching in postseason, you can beat anybody. Atlanta, Atlanta is good. Don't underestimate Atlanta. And the Phillies are good. The Dodgers are good. Go ahead. You can't say everyone's good. You got to. No, I gotta give, pick I a winner. Gave, I gave you five. You, <laughs> I know. Pick, yeah. If I mean, I pick yeah. a winner, I'm gonna pick the Astros. Astros. I think well, we have the best pitching. You know what drives me crazy too, and this is it. I'll let you go after this because I'm sure you have to pish. I know I do. Oh, 
It's, uh, you know, listen, <laughs> if, you, if you're, if, if you're like me, you got an enlarged prostate, you got to pee every 10 minutes. <laughs> but, but, uh, do you suffer from that at all? I, it's uh, all yeah, I pee. I yeah. get up at night and pee. A couple of times. Did three. You know what drives me crazy? <laughs> when you were the number one draft pick and the Mets didn't pick you, they picked the number two guy. I don't remember who it was. Right. Right. Imagine if the Mets had picked you when they had the chance all those years ago. They had, Stupid. They had Seaver, Kuzman. Um, they had what a couple a of the other hard-throwing pitchers. Strawberry came along. Doc Gooden came along. Imagine I you were part of that. I didn't get drafted by them. Do you know why? Why? I was dating a Mexican girl that I married. And the scout, there was a guy named Bob Sheffing over there. People know that name. Um, and he thought I would create social unrest in New York because I was dating a girl outside my race. My middle, middle name's Martinez, and she, her last name was Campos, a Mexican girl. And the, the coach of the team in our, at Arizona State, Bobby Winkles, was from Arkansas. I was the first colored player he ever had on the team. And Can I... Can you imagine? It and, never and, ends, and, does it? And this he is told, the story. He told me, I was 18 years old, he said, Reggie, you should be the number one pick in the nation, but the Mets are not going to draft you because they think you'll create social issues in New York City. Wow. Now, they're one of the most diverse cities in the country, in the world. And I was the second pick. Not the first pick. They drafted a kid named Steve Tilcott out of River, Riverside. He never played. He was a catcher. He never made the majors, did he? That's correct. Yeah. Unbelievable. Another great decision by the Mets. Yeah. They always make the best decisions. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine Reggie Jackson, Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan on the same team. That could have been mad. Do you ever sit there and go, I wonder what that would have been like? Yes, that could I have been pretty good. I absolutely yeah. do. I absolutely yeah. do. Reggie Jackson, you're the man. You uh, Reggie, I'm going to lead this candy here for you. Yeah, oh, the Reggie. And by the way, I'm I was talking about the two things I'm going to talk about non-baseball. Your greatest accomplishment in my eyes was naked gun when you are hypnotized <laughs> to try to queen to kill Queen Elizabeth. And you almost pulled it off. But that woman dropped on you. <laughs> I, big that that is, wasn't that a great movie? Seriously, you got to be proud to be in that movie. I liked it. Uh, the, the best part of that movie for me is I got to see Priscilla Presley. Yes. Boy, she was pretty. Beautiful woman. Beautiful yes. woman. Yes. And really, uh, you know, you got to do the scene with her. That's right. And, and then all the guys that were in that movie, uh, Kennedy, a guy named Kennedy. I, I can't think of, of his name. George Kennedy. George Kennedy was on it. Yeah. He was a great cowboy. Uh, and then the guy behind home, Leslie, Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen, Whoa, you know, was in it. O.J. Simpson, the crazy man, was in it. <laughs> O.J. was in it. You ever hear from O.J.? No, I, no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. No, <laughs> no you guys don't get, get together you and talk about your movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. running away from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a Bronco, too. I can get away. And I'm also, I'm, I'm sure you made love to Priscilla Presley. No, uh, no. Offset. Uh, no? no? I can't believe that. No. no. Crazy. No. And the Reggie bar, uh, they, they've brought it back, right? I mean, it's now yes. in honor of you. Yes. The Reggie bar, is, is the Reggie bar great candy? I don't eat any sugar. It is a great candy. We're going to get, we're going to get it here to, to Dylan's. 
Oh, uh, really? The, the Ralph Lauren's daughter. Dylan, Dylan has... Yes. Yeah, Great here? candy store. Yes. Yeah. Um, her, her dad, Ralph Lauren, has supported my foundation with his clothing for 40 years. Wow. Wow. Ralph Lauren. He's got one of the great car collections in the world. You love cars. Yes, I do. How many do you have? I'm down to about 75. At one wow. time you had 100, right? 150. What is the greatest car you ever owned? Uh, I have a Ferrari uh, Nart Spider. That's, uh, they made 10. And the, um, the Canetti's, uh, with Canetti, it was uh, Scaglietti. Um, Enzo Ferrari, Canetti, and Sergio Panini Farina were the four guys that did all the designing for Ferrari. Canetti built 10 275 GTB4s in Connecticut that were convertible. I have the 11th one that they built. They built 10. His son Coco, Luigi Coco Canetti, and the dad, Luigi Coco Canetti, did another one just like the other ten, and I own that one. What is what is that worth now? If there's only well, a, a they, there's been one that sold in 2014 for 27 million. Oh my God! And so, Reggie, let's sell it, Mike. I, I'm <laughs> I'm in. I'm probably going to sell it. I'm in having discussions. Um, I've got the 11th car and it's got tremendous documentation that they did it. They built it just like the others. So, um, we're probably going to move that down the road for, for, you, for the family. Do you think your love of cars is related to your father's business where you used to work on his truck? He had a, 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 a laundromat, a, a dry, you know, dry, dry cleaner. cleaners. That's right. And you would work on his truck. Yeah, you would think that's where it happened. Absolutely. I'd be handing him the tools. And and by the way, our 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 my dad had a a route like I like I had a paper route. We had about 60 to 70 customers. 90% of them Jewish. And we would go pick up the Silversteins and Katzes and, and all their, their clothes, bring them home, dry clean them, and then deliver them back. And if I would go to the door to deliver the clothes and they had a $5 bill, five seventy five, and I'd say, well, Dad, they're going to pay us uh, next week when we come. And he would say, well, your pay that I was going to give you was coming from them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, he's right. I mean, uh, your father your father had it right. Were you furious with your father when he ended up going to jail for a little time and you no. had to run the No, my dad business? wrote my dad wrote numbers and, and delivered bootleg whiskey for the Italian families, a couple of the Italian families in the city. And but that because, put pressure on you, Rick. Because he because looked at, because he looked Italian, he was hustling making extra money. All right. Here, let me give you this story. So we had a, my father was would always kid me. And he says, be careful when you go into this, these folks here. They have a dog named Nigger. Oh, my God. And a lot of times, uh, Reg, you know, I've gone in there and they would say, Nigger, sit down, get off the couch. And I was sitting on the couch. <laughs> my, 
And he said, so, "That's true." So, so if they, n- n- no, uh, oh. it's true. But it's true. But he would say to me, "When you go in here, they have a black dog, and his name is Nigger. So if they say to you." Get out of here, nigger. Don't run away from the door. <laughs> it never happened because it wasn't true. I see. Well, you know me. I'm gullible. Now, the Reggie bar, you eat the Reggie bar. Now, don't you have to be careful with your sugar intake? As we all get older, you know, you got to be careful, Reggie. Uh, I am careful, but I'm going to get into this one here right see. now. What is in the Reggie bar? Is it what chocolate is with, it looks like nougat. Um, chocolate, mm. tro- oh, mm. caramel, mm. and Peanuts. Peanuts. I love that combination. <laughs> oh, my God, Reggie. Give me a bite of that, for Christ's sake. I mean, what are you doing? No, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving you a box. Leave me the box. Oh, Reggie. Listen, the documentary, congratulations, because I think it does a fabulous job of explaining your world, what was going on in the world, and what sort of shape Reggie Jackson. And it also just is a great celebration of your career. Reggie premieres this Friday on Amazon Prime Video. Do me a favor with that box of Reggie chocolate. Please make sure my producer Gary doesn't eat it before I get my hands on it. <laughs> the guy's a monster. He just, came he, in and he just came in here and he was looking at the box. Well, yeah, he has huge teeth and he goes right, he rips right through that stuff. Those Reggie bars don't stand a chance. And uh, me, I'm on Metamucil, by the way. I don't know if you are, but I love it. Uh, that's something I want you to look into, too. All right. You All didn't right. leave listen, him a box of Metamucil cookies. I'm going to send you a box of Metamucil. <laughs> Reggie Jackson, listen, you're the greatest. You know it. The world knows it. Everyone knows it. What are we going to say? It's nice to be in company that uh, I think is the greatest as well. And I've got to give some props to Robin. Robin oh, always. You, you have no idea what this means to me because I grew up in Baltimore. And what you used to do to us. <laughs> yeah, Robin was not. All, you know. He just came in here and he was looking at the box. Well, oh. yeah. He has huge teeth and he goes right. He rips right through that stuff. Those Reggie bars don't stand a chance. And uh, me, I'm on Metamucil, by the way. I don't know if you are, but I love it. Uh, that's something I want you to look into, too. All right. You All didn't right, leave listen, him a box of Metamucil cookies. I'm going to send you a box of Metamucil. <laughs> Reggie Jackson, listen, you're the greatest. You know it. The world knows it. Everyone knows it. What are we going to say? It's nice to be in company that uh, I think is the greatest as well. And I've got to give some props to Robin. Robin oh, always. You, you, you have no idea what this means to me because I grew up in Baltimore. And what you used to do to us. <laughs> yeah, Robin was not. All, you know, oh my God, it was just, it was amazing to watch. You just couldn't believe it was happening. Anyway, I will, I will say that, uh, uh, this is maybe my favorite interview ever. And I know we did one a few years ago that, that still replays, um, you're one of my favorite people. Okay. And, um, Oh, I, love I, I look forward to to this again, and um, thank you very much. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you for I the documentary. I have to tell you, he was really, really excited. Um, yeah, I haven't seen you in so long. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. excited, too. Uh, somebody, Like I said, somebody saying, what's he going to ask? I said, I don't care, but I know it's going to be fabulous fun and um i'm doing some things to help some people uh howard and i'm probably going to reach out to you um uh, i'm going to come i got to go to white plains to see the folks at pepsi um 
and the, the guy up there, Hugh Hugh Johnson, who's like their MVP. He's been president. He's been CFO. He's been CIO. He's been CMO. But um, I know what you're hinting at. No. You want me and you to do a commercial for Pepsi where they pay each of us a couple of million dollars. Oh, I know. get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm down for that. <laughs> I'm down for that. Too. <laughs> it's a very easy. Reggie, thank you. Thanks love for being you, here. You're the I love you too, Reggie Jackson. Everyone, the greatest, Reggie Jackson. Bye, Reggie. There's there's history right in front of you. You know, you're sitting on your couch, you're jerking off today, and there's history <laughs> right in front of you. Amazing. Reggie Jack. It really is a great documentary. Premieres this Friday on Amazon. And the Prime excitement video. you feel, you were right, that the way they've positioned everything and how they're telling his story, every time they show you one of those October moments, it's it great. Gets you get the chills. You so excited, yes. Excuse me. Who could this be? Uh, it's Donald Trump, everybody. What do you, uh, what do you want to say, Mr. Well, listen, listen. Reggie had it bad, sure, but no one is more oppressed than me. <laughs> Believe me. Believe me. They're trying to arrest me for you're telling me nothing. You're telling me, after hearing Reggie's story, the horrible mm. racism, he couldn't get into right. a hotel. His teammates had a cover yeah, for him. What his, the restaurants bicycle. have you been yeah, thrown out of? Oh, so many, so many. It's so <laughs> racist. They I have mean, been, get, been against me from the beginning because I'm white. Because Donald, I'm white. you feel you feel you've been the victim of racism. That is why uh, they have you up on these charges. That's right. This district attorney, all these people—they've had every advantage. What did I have? What did I come from? <laughs> Nothing other than three hundred and fifty-five million dollars. No real money to speak of. All right. Thank you. Uh, there he is. Uh, obviously, Donald Trump feeling a little disadvantaged. Always pleading is. his case. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and by the way, uh, one of my favorite people uh, next Tuesday will be here. His name is Billy Corgan, and he's bringing the whole band, the Smashing <gasps> Pumpkins, performing for us. So I always like uh, talking with him as well. So well, thank you, Excellent. Reggie Jackson. Yes. And Robin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>